This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content. Good morning, everybody. This is Mick Mulcahy. And uh, while I don't want to start off on a kind of a negative note, it's Friday and we should be looking forward to the weekend with gusto. Uh, let's uh, look at the morning papers uh, and get the weather out of the way, shall we? Heavy rain, thundery storms and downpours instead of dusting off your swim shorts for a quick summer dip. Uh, you do well to dash out and buy a Sowester. Uh, or an umbrella, I suppose. As uh, Instead, as Met Aaron has issued a warning for 11 counties today, uh, the Mail reporting today that all of Munster and Connacht have been included in the wintry warning as unseasonable weather is set to batter western parts of the country. The severe turn in the weather is also uh, set to hit at around midday and is due to last until the same time tomorrow, maybe a little later uh, here in Cork, starting and finishing. Met Aaron said heavy showers, longer spells of rain, thundery downpours in some places, may lead to spot flooding. Uh, despite not receiving official warnings, the rest of the country is unlikely to get away with it. They won't be in balmy sunshine, and uh, it's going to be cloudy and rainy everywhere across the country at times over the weekend. That's the weather out of the way. Uh, you kind of half expect uh, to get bonfire night stories on the morning after, uh, but sad to see once again, third time, I think, is it? Third time? Maybe fourth? That the derelict hotel on the north side of the city, the Sunset Ridge, was set on fire again last night. Another blaze at a perennial antisocial hotspot in the northern end of Cork's antisocial hotspot. There's, uh, it's an antisocial hotspot because there's no facilities for the youngsters in that area. But anyway, uh, as they battled to contain a number of fires on Bonfire Night, the uh, fire services were very busy. We're going to uh, talk to their second in charge uh, in a few minutes' time. Uh, throughout the uh, city, smoke plumes blotted the evening air and pockmarked the terrain as one of Cork's most jointly revered and reviled uh, traditions took hold. How it's still uh, allowed to happen, how it's still legal in these times of pensioners not being able to cut a bit of turf and warm their homes is uh, beyond me. But so-called bonas, I know they're traditional, uh, or bonfires took place all over the city with a number getting out of hand and requiring the intervention of fire services from the likes of Anglesey Street and Ballyvalan stations. And as much as we may uh, consider the environment, I suppose, when these bonfires are being lit, did you see the pictures of the pallets? Five, six, seven thousand pallets built up into castles uh, for the 11th of July. Uh, I think it's the 11th of July, isn't it? In Northern Ireland, as they observe their traditions. Uh, and that's probably a hundred times one fire there is probably a hundred times all the bonfires that were lit in Cork last night. Uh, so it was the site, however, of the former Sunset Ridge Hotel in Colleen's, just outside the city's north side, a blaze that was enough to sink hearts for fire personnel and residents alike, because this was totally uh, uh, avoidable, I suppose. There's been a number of fire-related incidents at the site over the years, including a significant fire in June last year, also on Bonfire Night. <laughs> there is a it's kind of a tradition, is it? Set it on fire on Bonfire Night. It was put on the derelict sites register last October, and City Councillor Damien Boylan said, uh, I feel for the people of Killeen's. I'm moving it as quickly as I can along with developers and Cork City Council. After the last fire, we got it sorted out with a derelict sites uh, order put on it. Unfortunately, uh, with derelict sites, you can stop gurriers setting fire to things. More on that in the course of the programme. Sexual exploitation is the big headline on the front of the Echo. A man sought a meeting with a 14-year-old girl. Numbers of vigilante paedophile hunting, uh, sorry, members of a vigilante paedophile hunting group set up a ruse to let a 45-year-old Monkstown man believe he was about to meet a child 
for the purpose of sexual exploitation. Uh, I've been living in the area for many years and I've never heard of the guy, nor his address. Uh, and yesterday he faced sentencing. When Tim Bowen attempted to contact a person uh, he believed to be a 14-year-old girl for the purpose of sexual exploitation, the vigilante group made recordings of him, which they posted online and alerted Gardee. Detective Sergeant Gary Duggan arrested Tim Bowen, aged 45, with an address at Cottage View, Monkstown, County Cork, and charged him with two counts. The first charge alleges that between July 4th and July 26th, 2019, he did attempt to communicate with a child by way of communication technology for the purpose of facilitating the sexual exploitation of that child. The second charge states that at Costa Coffee in Bishopstown on July 26th, 2019, he did attempt to intentionally meet the child for the purpose of doing something that constituted sexual exploitation of the child, namely sexual assault. Story uh, on the front page of the Echo. Uh, also in the Echo, masked man tried to play robbery. As a joke, Liam Halen reporting that a masked man threatened to shoot his local shopkeeper. And when the robbery attempt failed, he tried to play it off as being a joke all along. Judge Helen Boyle said any shop at the centre of the community is valuable to the local community. And you caused upset for the shopkeeper and embarrassment for your family who used the shop. The judge imposed a sentence of two years with the final six months suspended on Lee Cronin at Cork Circuit Criminal Court. The shopkeeper felt angry, hurt and devastated and does not have peace of mind now while working, Judge Boyle said in relation to victim impact evidence. Dermot Sheehan defending said Cronin uh, had a psychiatric history but was doing well in education in uh, prison. Uh, when his he, Well, what he did was he approached the counter wearing a mask uh, and keeping his hand in his pocket as he threatened to shoot the shopkeeper. And when this attempt failed... He then declared he was only messing and even identified himself as Cronin before leaving the premises. Uh, the owner of Fairfield Stores said his life had changed so much since this attempted robbery that he no longer felt safe uh, in what is both his home and his workplace. Uh, okay, that's uh, Echo. Uh, news there as well, masked man trying to play robbery as a joke. Uh, there are fears also, says the Echo, that uh, a tsunami of evictions is on the way. A court councillor has voiced fears that a tsunami of evictions is coming. The comments from Workers' Party councillor Ted Tynan came ahead of a rally highlighting the housing crisis taking place on Saturday in Cork City. Let's go to the mirror. And uh, Ireland's getting more crowded. The population has hit the 5.1 million mark, the highest population recorded in a census since 1841 and just about the onset of the uh, Great Famine. Just weeks after census 2022, on April 3rd, results are trickling in from the CSO, the Central Statistics Office, uh, and are revealing the changing face of the nation. The census is normally held every five years, uh, but what was postponed last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So this time there's a massive six-year gap between the stats sweep of the country. And the top finding is how many of us there actually are here. The population of the Republic increased by 7.6% in the six years between 2016 and 2022. This brought the numbers living in the state to 5,123,536. Then that was just on census night. And that doesn't include possibly those who may have been abroad or on holidays or whatever. And to put this into a broader context, the highest population recorded since 1841. Uh, every single county in Ireland had a population growth. And this constitutionally means that we need more Choctaw dollars. That's exactly now what this country needs, isn't it? More TDs. 11 more TDs, unless we change the constitution. 
And I wonder if we had a yes or no vote. Should we allow 11 more TDs? Yes. Or should we not allow 11 more TDs? No. Was put in a referendum to the people. I think I know exactly what they'll be saying. The last thing we need is uh, an extension of the number of TDs. I think we're more than adequately represented and the no- number of people to be represented per TD could even be increased uh, in any proposed referendum uh, to keep it even or even down. But that's just me. 166,000 homes are lying idle. What? 10% of houses are vacant, yet only 800 are available to rent nationwide. A criminal number of homes are going to waste. Experts have warned, as the census reveals, there are over 166,000 properties sitting empty. These are from the preliminary results from Census 2022, uh, showing that massive number of vacant dwellings on April 3rd, as well as 66,135 unoccupied holiday homes, meaning more than 10% of houses are not being used some or all of the time. That's stark reading, and you can read it on the front page of the Mail today. Back to the Mirror, and exam results a delay leaves us shocked, a shock decision to delay the issue of leaving cert results, despite pleas from universities, has sparked anger. That bottleneck of trying to get the uh, the CAO placements and all of that uh, is going to exist again this year. So it's not going to be a mid-August date. It's going to be just one day earlier than last year. Education Minister Norma Foley has backed the SEC's decision, blaming, blaming a lack of exam correctors. Uh, critics of the move, including the Social Democrats education spokesperson Gary Gannon, have branded it completely Unacceptable. Uh, so it's going to be a long wait again. Start dates of around September 5th, and the SEC confirmed it will not publish results until September 2nd due to a number of challenging factors. Very, very stressful times for students and parents. The Mirror is telling us, meanwhile, that while we are more of us here than ever before since 1841, more than 3,000 passport applications are being received every day and a 1,000 queries as well, TDs were told yesterday. Fine Gael's Charlie Flanagan, Fianna Fáil TD Barry Cowan and Independent TD Cahill Berry and Sinn Féin's John Brady were at the passport office for a meeting with senior management to demand answers on what's causing significant delays. And uh, speaking to the Irish Mirror, Mr. Flanagan said they were told there had been 60,000 passports issued so far this year. He added, my advice to people would be to forget about paper applications and they should no longer be uh, advisable and applications should be online. Also suggested uh, that elderly people should seek assistance from younger members of the community if they are not tech savvy. Dirty airport uh, with Dublin crossed out. It's not Dublin airport, it's dirty airport. Uh, I had the temerity to call it a kip. Uh, Terminal 1, that is, in Dublin yesterday to uh, Jerry Baltimore. And um, lo and behold, uh, on the mail today, beleaguered Dublin Airport has another problem to add to its recent uh, crises of long security queues. 1,400 passengers missing flights, baggage chaos, and the most expensive parking in Europe. Uh, And that extra thing is, it's filthy. Uh, And I would concur. What uh, a show for people coming to this country, possibly for the first time. Uh, it's in decrepit condition and now it's not clean anymore uh, because I think they've used some of the cleaning staff to bolster up because they have uh, uh, airside clearance. Uh, they could possibly go through the security training quicker. That's just my feeling. Uh, but it certainly hasn't left it a clean place. Disgusted passengers have shared photos online of the airport's terminals littered with rubbish. Uh, the images which you'll see in the Daily Mail include clogged toilets, rubbish surrounding bins on windowsills, dirty windows and the floor of uh, airports Terminal 1. One annoyed person tweeted, there's dirt everywhere, bins are overflowing, the seating is strewn with litter, 
The toilets are an embarrassment. The stench was revolting. No sign of any cleaning or any effort to sort the issues. The passenger shared several photos of the rubbish and a toilet uh, with various um, with various parts on the floor. You can check out those images and they don't make for pretty looking in uh, the mail today. Let's go to the front page of the Star where the River Sniffy uh, coke suspects leap into the Liffey to flee, but Gardy dive in and catch them. Uh, so this is a story you'll catch in the Star front page, as I said. Suspects dove into the Liffey in an attempt to flee the guards, uh, but uh, they were thwarted, and Gardy have dealt another hammer blow uh, on the drugs issue to the uh, Daniel Kinahan mob after detectives seized millions of euro worth of cash and drugs, included suspected uh, cocaine hidden in champagne. Um, the officers even dived into the Liffey as part of the investigation to swim after three suspects who tried to escape a guarded dragnet uh, by jumping into the famous river. Detectives were last night questioning seven suspects over seizures of cannabis, cocaine and cash, which they uh, believe are linked to the Kinahans, who uh, Daniel, of course, is reeling from a massive worldwide crackdown on his gang. This will ruin his day, a source said last night. He's been under pressure for months now, and this will devastate him. Uh, principal who stole 100k is locked up, says the son today. He was consumed by his addiction to betting. A principal and GAA coach has been jailed for stealing over 100,000 euro from a school for children with special needs to feed his own gambling addiction. Shamed teacher Malachi McNulty, 39 years of age, was given a six-year jail sentence with the last four and a half years suspended Yesterday, McNulty of Port Leash, uh, County Leash, admitted to stealing money from St. Francis Special School in Port Leash between January 2017 and February 2019. There's loads more to get through in the papers, and we've got a very busy programme, so I want to get after it, as Garth Brooks might say. Let's get after it, and uh, we'll go to our phone lines first. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prenderville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Okay, let's uh, go to Victor Shine. Thanks for holding, Victor. The uh, paper review always comes first, and we thank you for your patience. There were 65 call-outs last night. You, of course, are the second officer in the Cork City Fire Service. Do you dread bonfire night, Victor? <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> it's always a challenging night, but um, again, with the crews and the professionalism of the crews, uh, we take it on the chin, and we get on with our business. Now, last night was particularly challenging with, obviously, a substantial fire out in the Sunset Ridge, uh, an old derelict building. Um, that started quite early in the evening, and it drew resources from, um, from um, Mallow, from Cork City, uh, from Middleton. We had to bring tankers up from Middleton and uh, to deal with that situation. And it's still ongoing, just damping down procedures at the moment and to be followed up by our engineering staff. So a challenge wow. there, and and two significant house fires during the evening as well. One early hours of the morning, one o'clockish, where two uh, females were uh, rescued from a house fire in Ballinock, uh with just minor smoke inhalation. But again, lead adding to the challenges and uh, the significant fires. Was that, was that Boring Manor Road? Yeah, Boring Manor Road. Sorry, okay, yeah. yeah. So Road. that house fire on the Boring Manor Road. Uh, Carrigaline crews had to attend because some crews from Anglesey Street were tied up at the Sunset Ridge and herein lies the danger uh, when these gurriers set fire to places they're drawing valuable resources away from, from where life may be threatened Absolutely and we said that uh, on previous interviews as well coming up to that night it was going to be challenging to resources 
And again, there are the potentials of life being at risk due to bonfires being taken uh, place uh, in an uncontrolled manner and people calling in. So there were those fires. We had oil tanks on fires. We had road traffic collisions. So you add that to the pot and, you know, we were on close to 100 calls last night uh, with number of them significant uh, challenges to the to the crews on the, the on the evening. So you must be fully staffed on Bonfire Night. Is there kind of a holiday ban? No, we actually have additional crews brought in for the particular uh, night as well. We have additional officers in the control room handling the calls. We have additional crews out on the road. But from early on, they, they came in early before 6 o'clock. And normally it's, it's post 6 that we bring the crews in. But they were <laughs> fully operational at five o'clock wow. um, out to the to the fires as they were coming in, you know. So is the is the tradition of bonfire night Victor, is, is it a Cork City thing? Is it is it a county Cork thing? Does it go across the country? It seems to be a Cork fire or Cork City um, uh, tradition, you know, in a particular parts of the city as well. Um, and it is it is challenging, and I suppose with the environmental issues now that we're dealing with, you know, with smoke smoke bans, uh, having licensing for controlled burning and so on. It's, it's something that I think it's, it's probably gone beyond its sell-by date. Uh, the no-fire nights are probably the, the way forward, controlled, um, supervised, uh, you know, enjoyable for all kids and families to go out and have a good evening and, you know, and celebrate in a particular way that Cork people do. So when it comes down to the tradition versus our duty of care to the environment, where would you stand? I think it should be probably, uh, again, if there is to be a fire, it should be in a controlled manner, uh, limited in the city, have uh, a number of uh, control uh, events, um, whether it be with or without the fires, that could be debated by the environmentalists and you know people that want to keep traditions. You know, I'm on the fence. Uh, I think a no-fire night is, is a, a super idea, you know, and just put on good entertainment and enjoy the evening that's in it. Okay. So you had water tankers from three areas of the county deployed to bring the blaze under control, Mallow, Middleton and McCroom. Uh, in, in any way did this affect their ability to, to respond to any fires? Again, if, if, the, if those tankers or those resources were required, uh, they would have to be drawn away from, from our issues. And, you know, we'd have to just deal with the situation with the materials and equipment that we had. Yeah, yeah. so their loyalty would be first to their own areas. So that they'd have to go back Absolutely, quickly. Yeah. 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 yeah, like they would support us when we're in need and we would support them, obviously, when they're in need and so on. You know, so we have uh, particular arrangements in place for these situations. Okay. What's the lot in life of a fireman or a firewoman? Is, is it a very arduous training course? How much bravery is, is involved and how much sitting around is involved? It's a very technical job now. Obviously, it does take bravery. It does take courage, you know, and so on. But um, we have crews now. We have a crew, um, a new bunch of recruits. They're going to start their training um, next Monday. It's an 18-week course. They'll be initial course that they'll be carrying out. And then they'll have 12 months probationary period and then they'll start their seven-year um, kind of program for development and so on. And after your seven years, then you reach your full increments for pay and so on as a firefighter in Cork City Fire Brigade. Without going into specifics, is, is it rewarding uh, on the pay scales? Um, it is. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significantly good job. Um, I'm at this job now for the last 42 years. So I think, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, personally, 
I believe it's a, a super job to get into. It's a super career, super ability for enhancements, for getting promotions and so on, and life skills as well. And to be able to serve your community both in at, at work and um, in your community when you go home as well. You, you're, it's kind of a 24 or 7 day a week kind of job. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with you're great fulfillment, I imagine. Great fulfillment as well oh, yeah. at the end of a working week. Absolutely. Let, let's look at the downside. You, you, you know, you're kind of expected then to be at the scene of crashes and cutouts and that kind of thing, are you? Unfortunately, that's the, the negative side of it. Um, but again, uh, we have a lot of resilience built into our job. We have support teams here. We have uh, critical incident uh, stress managers on site. We have uh, additional supports outside from professionals that if people need um uh, particularly after uh, very unusual traumatic events uh, where kids are involved or uh, the more spectacular events as well that the normal person wouldn't wouldn't see on a daily basis, you know, mm. or even in their lifetime perhaps, that we're dealing with it on quite a regular basis. So it's mental resilience as well as physical resilience as well. Okay. So to those who would set uh, in an arson fashion, uh, a fire like was set last night on the Sunset Ridge, and it wasn't just this year. It happened on Bonner Night last year as well. Uh, what would be your appeal to them in, in regards as, look, you know, look at the potential risk you're putting uh, in front of your community anywhere in the county uh, where we are depleting resources to deal with your stupidity? Well, last night, just taking last night, there was the potential of two lives being lost because of resources um, not where in the ideal location that it could have responded very quickly. We are putting crews together, we're managing situations on demand, and it can slow down our, our response if we have to draw crews from other resources or other fires or other events to um, kind of the more spectacular, the, the house fire, the road traffic collision. So there is definitely a risk of putting lives at risk due to malicious behavior of people setting fires uh, in, an appropriate, in inappropriate manners. Okay, we have a text, uh, Justin. As long as lazy people don't pay their household waste charges, there will always be bonfires. The amount of household waste that was in the bonfires last night was criminal. Absolutely. I said that on a report just before it. We get people, um, it's literally a clean-out of some domestic environments, from fridges to washing machines, going out to bonfires, sofas, tires, um, black sacks full of rubbish. And as I said, these um, uh, materials that are thrown on the bonfires may contain accelerants, flammable materials, uh, compressed air cans that may explode when they go onto the fire and put people's lives at risk. So it's, it's a crazy carry-on. All materials should be segregated, disposed of in an appropriate manner okay. and not a risk to life. And now we're moving, of course, into the uh, era of uh, electric vehicles. I, I would... I would <laughs> speculate that very little petrol was thrown on fires last night with the expense of it now but we're moving towards electric vehicles and they're becoming more common on our roads uh, and firefighters now I suppose have a different uh, critical component to assess uh, such as high voltage cables and battery packs uh, in addition to just putting out a, a, your bog standard car fire if you like That's correct, you're dealing with voltages in, in the EV vehicles up to 400 volts uh, it's very technical dealing with these fires. We have uh, procedures that we have to follow. So it's like dealing with a live wire in an industrial environment, a three-phase situation where there is substantial risk to life when you're dealing with these fires. 
there are risks of thermal runaways and so on. But um, motor manufacturers, I think, are getting more aware of these situations and we're getting more aware of how to handle them. So I think there's a program in it yourself and myself and yourself to discuss at no, another stage. But we are changing our techniques for dealing with car fires and we're getting additional equipment in as well for dealing with the unusual events that may occur. Okay. Uh, a listener is wondering uh, your recruitment process. Where, where are vacancies advertised? It goes up onto, the, obviously, the local papers and on the City Council website. So uh, there's a couple of forms that will be going up. Um, we would predict, again, in the very near future, perhaps another campaign starting again. So I would suggest to people, those who are interested in a career in the fire service, uh, get their fitness levels up, get their uh, ability to um, do really good interviews. Um, I would always suggest people with uh, voluntary backgrounds um, in the voluntary services. It's something that we really are enthusiastic about people that will go out before they go for a job that are serving the community already and bringing skills in. So if you have first aid skills, swimming skills, lifeguarding, all those trades, anything like that. And obviously the level of education that's required as well. You know, you have to yes. have a, a decent level to be able to pass your psychometric testing and et cetera, et cetera. You know? Okay, so, finally, for, um, for, for those in the agonizing decision moment of will I call the fire brigade, won't I call it, will I, won't I, will I, the chimney fire. At what stage should you uh, err on the side of safety and just make that 999 call, get me the fire brigade? If you're thinking about it, make the call. That's, <laughs> so, you know something? <laughs> I think we leave it there because that's the sucker punch. Yeah, well done. Uh, yeah, Victor, we could talk no, all day. Uh, we, could, we could certainly talk about fire safety and, and other issues. Uh, but you seem like a happy chappy anyway after, uh, after bonfire night. No horror stories, no serious incidents specifically? The way we look at it is nobody died last night in on our watch. Um, no firefighter was injured, even though we did have some antisocial behaviour to our fire crews. It was minimal, but it again, it was fine. It was managed. I would like to thank the Gardaí for their support as well. We had crews of Gardaí with us last night as well, giving us additional support. And um, obviously, I'd like to thank the officers and firefighters of Cork City Fire Brigade getting us through last night. All right, brilliant. Victor Shine, Second Officer, Cork City Fire Services, thank you very much for coming on the Neil Prendival Show. Thanks a million. Uh, We've got Ken O'Flynn on line one. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Thank you so much for your patience. Can I ask you to hold on for two more minutes, Ken? And I'll be straight back to you. Thank you. Talk to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Thank you, Ken O'Flynn, the most patient interview you've been holding uh, through the last interview. Thank you very much. Uh, Now, you requested Sunset Ridge would be placed on the derelict site lists. Uh, It was, but the council didn't act, you contend. Well, look, I think the reality here is that their hands are tied with a lot of the legislation that's there since 1990. It's certainly not fit for purpose uh, going forward. And that comes to, that's not just to do with Sunset Ridge. Uh, make that to do with all derelict sites across the city. And uh, we see people sitting on derelict sites across the city on a regular basis and not interacting with, with city council or county councils um, around the country. Uh, look, I, I think the reality here is that there's lessons to be certainly learned um, when it comes to a place that size of the Sunset Ridge and just looking there and I can see that the last planning application that was um, made for Sunset Ridge was actually in 2010 uh, and you know we've had a um, we've had a number of owners since since then since that application that's the only one that I can see live you know it may stand to be corrected 
but that's the, the only thing I, I, I can see live um, currently. I, I think well, where we failed in the council is, is that we haven't been pushing national government to change legislation, and that goes for all local authorities, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's about time that we do have a serious look of, of national location, of nas- national government um, and how they, how they update the legislation for us to deal with um, with levies and taking over derelict sites. As you know, there's enormous expense to local authorities when they take over a site. The site has to be valued and the money has to be given back to the person who has left it derelict um, for a number of years. Now, there are site levies, but they're minimum, to say the least. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's the matter of security on the sites and ensuring that it's secure. Like the Sunset Ridge isn't the only show in town when it comes to large fires in the city. We it's a regular one, though. Yeah, yeah, very regular. I, and, you know, twice, I, I, I don't know what it is, but twice I, 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 as it started, I, I, I passed it. I passed it last night. I just filled up the car with diesel. Uh, and um, I was coming home because, as you know, my mother and father live uh, two miles from the Sunset Ridge. Yep. And uh, and we were we I was I was driving home and of course I saw the flames and, and went up there and got speaking to some people up, up there as well and the same thing happened about the same time last year I can't remember whether it was bonfire night or maybe I think it was actually yeah you know uh, but the same this again the same thing you know uh, and it is a case that you know we've had one and we've had a serious fire in St Kevin's we've had it in uh, in Vermont or Mount Vernon so we've had it in the Good Shepherds uh, the Sunbeam I think was an industrial accident but that was that was a significant fire as well on the north side and you know when we do see these vandalisms and arsenic attacks I think we have to be very uh, realistic is that somebody will get killed one of these days setting these fires if not, if not directly indirectly by, by pulling the needy services the needed services away from the and, and areas of need as, as Victor Shine said and I have to say the, the entire court City Fire Brigade and Cork County Fire Brigade um, were absolutely magnificent last night and being called to some minor events and small events uh, and um, did a tremendous job and were under severe pressure and as he said himself you know we could, it could have been a lot worse that indirectly we could have had two people uh, potentially died last night. Mm. Uh, let me give you some texts here Ken uh, just let me give, give you some text from listeners on the topic I mentioned in the pay-per-view the lack of facilities for people uh, in the uh, for youngsters in the Killeen's area and Eileen would concur with me. Just kids messing, she said. I live next to it. There's nothing in our area for young people. No pitches, no community centre, nothing except this derelict building. Three times it's been burned. It's a magnet for young people with nowhere to go in their leisure time. Uh, Jer says, how many more fires can this eyesore take? I worry for the people living near this wreck with the asbestos present. Demolish this health risk. Uh, Another texture says, uh, the local authorities are totally out of of touch, wasting hard-working taxpayers' money and blaming someone else when they do nothing Stand up, people wake up against these parasites. Wake up, says James, on the north side, taking bonfire night to the next level, says Kevin. So, uh, do you think the bonfire tradition should be maintained in Cork? It's very popular on the north side, as you can see, compared to the south side. Is it dying out in that sense? Mick, could I just say that Blarney does have a, a very, very good facilities um, when it comes to GA and, and, and football clubs, etc. And equally does Rapikin as well. So look, you're, you're always going to have people behaving in, in an antisocial behaviour manner um, that aren't associated with either sports or, or clubs or, or, or etc. No matter how many facilities you put in, that's the reality of life, unfortunately. I, I think, Mick, you know, in 2000, we started in Cork City Council by addressing these issues when it came to bonfire night or the traditions of bonfire night at the time. Uh, and we introduced the family fun days um, back, back, in the, back in the day. And, of course, we had a series of events that went on last night um, 
including animal shows, arts and, arts and crafts and uh, face painting and all that sort of stuff, which were the... No offence, Ken. A- animal so, shows, arts and crafts and face painting are a million miles from the Gurriers who well, set the hotel the, the, on yeah. fire again last night. Yeah. Correct, correct, correct. And those events that went on last night through Cork City Council and Nakmahini, Farnry, the Glen Mayfield, Mahan, Toker were very well executed and went very, very well, and went off very, very well. The, the, the problem that we have last night, and I saw, I saw it happening again, and it had kind of died out because these family fun days had, had, had taken over and had been very proactive. Um, I suppose COVID had, had something to do with it as well. But last night, I was sent umpteen videos and, and pictures, and I've passed some of them on, and I've, I've passed quite a few on, actually, to the, to the local authority for fine issuing because we had people arriving in cars, dumping uh, rubbish at various sites through the north side. Um, and going away or hand, handing bags of rubbish to kids and, and bits of timber and, and other bits and pieces. Um, I even received actually um, a photograph of a gentleman putting a, an old PVC window on a bonfire. You know, like if that had exploded, you know, there could have been, there could have been serious implications into that. Mm. And I look, I, I, I respect the tradition. I went to them myself as a child. I enjoyed them as a child. They seem to have gone from what they were in the um, 60s, 50s, 60s and 70s of being an event where people would sit around and parents were there and children were there and everybody enjoyed themselves and behaved themselves and they've seemed to have gone to, to a different extreme. You have antisocial behaviour you have, you, and you have people using it as an excuse for dumping. And I have to say in fairness to Cork City Council in their defence the uh, parks uh, team were out um, throughout this week and last week collecting um, pallets and rubbish and things that, that were being stored for bonfires. Unfortunately, people have gotten ways to this and they're, they're holding them in backyards, etc. Mm, of course, yeah. Bring, yeah. Them, out the, bring uh, them out at the last minute. But look, there is, there is the reality here, Mick, as well. You know, we have to talk about the environment, toxins, pollutions, etc. And I think we need to start stepping away from, the, from, from these traditions. Look, they, they, they might be nice and I think they, they can be done in a very controlled manner. But all these illegal ones, you have to remember the cost to Cork City Council. Our teams are out now doing cleanups, the um, pollution damage, and and the, what happens to the environment around. You know, like there's many there's many in a housing estate now, private and local authority that have a huge uh, scorch marks in the middle of the grass. Yes, of you course, and, and ashes and, and all that kind of thing. And people have and, to live with that as well, you know. And, and the sad effect of all of this is that firefighters have to be accompanied by Gardaí in certain hotspot areas. Tongue-in-cheek text from Liam Bonner who says, Bonfire night on the south side is just called a barbecue. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I, look, I suppose it's, it's, uh, it's something that's going to continue. People can say what they want. Look, there are, there are traditions there. I think traditions are important. Um, and there's plenty, there's plenty of bar, uh, bonfires on the south side as well, I have to say. Of course, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, and look, we can only be thankful, I suppose, that the orchestrated six weeks in advance building of five and ten thousand pallets to the sky, like they do in Northern Ireland, isn't, isn't allowed here. Um, I imagine the authorities will move in in Northern Ireland very close to the date and demolish a lot of those, but um, they, they, they're going to cause fires that will be seen from space. There's lots, there's lots of worse things that happen in Northern Ireland, as we know. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, Look, look. The, the, the reality here is that we, we need to start changing minds and focuses uh, about that. We need to be responsible about our environment and about, about the environment that we're living in respect to right. our neighbours. Ken, we have to leave it there. Thank, thanks as always, and uh, thanks for being on the spot last night and for giving us the heads up. Cheers. Thank you. Now, I want to mention our Free Food Friday. Uh, just to get your text coming in, we're going to feed 15 people, a selection of starters uh, from... Um, 
Roosters, Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. Chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers, uh, mains including chicken wraps, pitas and beef burgers based in their famous uh, medium Piri Piri sauce. We're not going to uh, be too spicy for anybody. They'll also throw in Piri salted fries, rice and the newest side is waffle fries. And as a special treat, uh, we leave it allow our winners to build your own cheesecake with a selection of toppings like Kinder Bueno sauce and Kinder Pieces and Nutella and lots more. I wonder do they have Biscoff. That's gorgeous. You can check out their uh, roosterspiripiri.com website and for extra info, it's Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. Get texting 0868104106. Tell us who you are, where you work and why you want us to pick you. And I'm always open to doing a plug in aid of Marymount just before we go to the commercial break. Uh, hi, Mick, if you can plug this. Anthony Barry and Noel O'Keefe are having an open garden on this Sunday the 26th of June, from 11am to 5pm at the Bog Road in Carrick Tool. If you're local, uh, you probably know where it is. If you're not, you can ask a local and find it. It's at the Bog Road in Carrick Tool, all in aid of Marymount. And all from the area and from beyond the area are welcome, they say. Anthony Barry and Nolo Keefe, well done on that initiative and open garden on the Sunday, the 26th of June, 11 to 5, at the Bog Road in Carrick Tool, all in aid of Marymount. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now 086-8104-106 Red FM And a very good morning to you this is Mick Mulcahy uh, staying with Carrick Tool uh, we have uh, uh, an email from Margaret Flanagan who's a sergeant at the uh, Garda press office just responding to our production team's inquiry uh, Seamus I refer to your query and confirm Gardaí attended the scene of an incident at 5pm this afternoon Thursday 23rd of June at Brown Island Carrick Tool a car had entered the water and a female in her mid-60s was rescued and taken to CUH with non-life-threatening injuries. We had some texts about that yesterday and happy to confirm that from the Garda press office. Uh, let's go to line three and I hope I have the name correctly. Uh, is it Key or Kai? No, Kinga. Kinga. Kinga, yes. okay. Uh, didn't, have, didn't have the full name there, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I've just been sent uh, in our WhatsApp group um, something that... Uh, it, I could never, but can I just say, I could never be a paramedic or a nurse or a doctor or, or a firefighter for the simple reason they just can't stand the sight of blood. This is an unbelievable picture. I don't think we'll even post it on social media. It's your friend's son's hand, which got caught on a fence on Tuesday playing football. It looks like it was, yeah. an, it looks like he held a grenade or something. Yeah, that both hands, unfortunately. What happened? They were playing the, the ball on the pitch, and when the pitch, they kick off the, the ball over the fence. So my friend's son just jumped over the fence to grab the ball, and on the way back, he slipped on the fence, and that's what happened. He was just stuck. There's kind of a metal fence down there, so he just slipped, and his both hands were just got stuck on the fence, like, you know. I'm going off in a weakness here. Uh, it is incredible that the, the damage I've seen. I'm only looking at one hand here and it's, it's, yeah. it's incredibly injured. Deep cuts, bleeding, multiple lacerations. Uh, how could that happen? Was it a barbed wire fence or something? Um, it was. They had some kind of like the, the, the very, very sharp, sharp ends probably so the kids won't go over it like, you know. So I wasn't there so I didn't kind of see it but... Um, that's what I just heard. Like, you know, there was just an hurt in the accident. Like, you know, one of the friends said, oh, I will go and jump over. And unfortunately, he said, no, I will go. And that's what happened on the way back. Like, Okay. And, and what's been happening yeah. since in, in, in regard to getting him the medical so attention and he repairs? Was, 
He was collected on Tuesday by ambulance to CH. They were waiting in CH to see the doctors and everything on the waiting room. Around half three in the morning, they were sent back home with the referral letter for the plastic surgery next day for 10.30 p.m. in the morning. So they went that day, um, next day in the morning to hospital. They were waiting until, I think, seven uh, o'clock at night next that day to be admitted and to get the room. When they eventually got the room, uh, they were talking about the operation. First of all, they were talking about the half anesthetic um, operation that they will just, um, you know, give the anesthetic over the arms and they will do the hands that day. Then they changed the mind. They say they have to have the full anesthetic. So they admitted him to the hospital and since then he's still waiting. Yesterday they were dressed of the gowns and everything to prepare for the operation. An operation was, let's say, around 3 o'clock, I think. At 2 o'clock, it was cancelled. Today, he's still waiting. He's on the list. They said he's on the list, but everything might change. You know, it's three days with open wounds. Mm. He's 16 years old, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. Oh. He's frightened. He's terrified. He's crying, you know. And the, and the fourth day, unfortunately, as well, her, his mother were not allowed to stay in hospital with him. That's what she was told by one of the nurses, that she has to leave because he's over 16. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. look, it's, it's, it's not for a radio station or a radio program host to get involved in the, in the triage. There's, ov- uh, you know, there, there's obviously a reason, uh, a medical yeah. reason why there's uh, you know, maybe more urgent cases and all of that. Having said that, looking at the extent of the injuries, uh, to have mm. that open wound for three days... Uh, must be very, very worrying for not just the recipient of the wounds, but the mom as well. Yeah. Okay. She's very terrified as well, like, you know, and she's really, really, really frustrated and anxious because she cannot get help and any guarantee from anyone in hospital, you know, that's worse. Yeah, I, I, I think the picture is so severe we can't even let our listeners see it. I don't know, not my call, yes. uh, but I certainly got a shock looking at it. So uh, it's a waiting game then, is it? Yes, All unfortunately, right. yeah. Kinga, th- thank you for bringing it to our attention. Thank uh, you very much, thank you. And just to kind of, I suppose, underlines the, uh, the care needed, uh, you know, while out playing, uh, a simple offer to go and get a ball is looking at a lifetime scarring and certainly a prolonged injury. Uh, there are decent hearts in the world. Uh, the very first interview I did on Wednesday, uh, when I took over from Neil for his two and a half weeks holidays, uh, elicited a letter. I get very little post to the radio station here because I'm here so seldom. Uh, it was addressed Mr. Mulcahy, radio presenter, Red FM Cork. And inside was uh, a blue envelope which said, Mr. Mulcahy, please pass on this small donation to the young lady, which was Danielle, okay, that you spoke to on uh, Wednesday, the 22nd of June. She was homeless due to circumstances beyond her control. Thank you very much. There is no name. I have no idea where it came from because it came from Central Portleach Mail uh, Mail Centre where letters are, are uh, distributed from these days. So it could be anybody, any listener, whoever you are. Thank you for your kindness. There was 35 euros in cash inside in it. Uh, and that has been passed to uh, our producer, Kevin, uh, who is in direct contact with, with uh, Danielle and will pass that 35 euros on to her. So it was uh, an unsolicited response. It was one from the heart, but one which warms the heart. 
and I thank the sender very much, whoever you are. I mentioned Tom McCarthy yesterday and his pub, uh, The Long Acre. He also has the Smithfield. Uh, both pubs are in uh, Manhattan and New York. Hi, Mick, I heard you speak about Tom McCarthy and Rod Stewart yesterday. I was in one of his pubs, The Long Acre Tavern in Times Square. Long Acre is what Times Square was originally called, by the way. This was about two weeks ago. I sat at a table next to Daniel Craig, James Bond. Now, it's not widely known, but it's no major secret to anybody who knows Tom or frequents the pubs that both Daniel Craig, James Bond and Rod Stewart enjoy a bit of soccer there. And Daniel Craig is a lovely, normal, affable person, as long as you don't say, shake and not stall. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And I'm joined on line two by Councillor Colm Kelleher, the outgoing Lord Mayor. Good morning, Lord Mayor. Good morning, Nick. How are you keeping? Not too bad. How's, how, how long more is you going to be outgoing? How, when is the trigger going to be pulled? <laughs> uh, we are AGM is scheduled for 6.30 this evening. So it'll be the last time I'll sit in the chair as Lord Mayor um, and we'll elect a new Lord Mayor, I'd say, around 10 to 7 tonight. Okay, and that's a foregone conclusion, is it, or am I wrong? But an election has to take place, and my understanding is only one candidate has been nominated, so unless there's another candidate nominated, we may have an uncontested election. Okay. Um, but uh, no, an election, will, the 31 elected members will cast their ballots this evening to elect a new Lord Mayor of Cork. Sure, so Deirdre Ford is the candidate and a very worthy candidate indeed. A very worthy candidate. Dear, dear, there's a colleague of mine. She works very hard and very diligent in council. She's been elected rep for her area for the last 25 years, 20, 25 years, and uh, she's an excellent public servant. And uh, should she be successful this evening, uh, I wish her all the well, uh, the best, and uh, she'll have my uh, unwavering support. What were the highs and lows, Councillor Colum Keller, Lord Mayor, of your 12 months in office? <laughs> It's kind of a whirlwind, really. I suppose the highs, one of my personal highs was to catch uh, Neil live on air for 500 euro uh, for my Movember. Um, he, nearly, he nearly swallowed the microphone. It was very funny. Uh, tell know. me about that. Uh, well, I, in, in, in November, or November, in November, uh, I decided to grow a moustache in aid of men's prostate cancer. And um, I, I effectively looked like uh, Willie Power out of Killing a Scully <laughs> by the time I, ha- I, I had uh, the, the moustache grown. But um, I made a, a promise that I would dye the moustache red uh, at the very last day of uh, November, which I did. And Neil brought me on um, that morning. We were on to discuss the, the, the announcement that had taken place in relation to the Docklands and the regeneration of it. And he, he kind of touched on November and he said, look, people can actively involved and they can um, they can donate and uh, I caught him on the hop and I said Neil I didn't see your name anywhere and he said he goes what's the going race and I said I goes he goes about 100 I said I know for a man of, for a man of your talent and calibre surely 500 and oh. he, nearly swallowed it. He, he nearly swallowed the microphone he said to me um, he said to me live on air uh, you, can, you can't catch me live on air like that and I said Neil you catch politicians live on air every day of the week it's our turn ok and I, I suppose he followed up did he he did he did he did Okay. True to his word. Oh, fair play to him. Okay. Um, one of the lows, uh, robot trees, I'm told. Tell me about the robot trees. Oh, the attack of the famous robot trees. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the moss pallets, I suppose you could call them, that are in situ inside in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, my first few weeks into office, uh, the diary was handed to me every Monday morning. It said, look, we're going over to Patrick Street to launch robotic trees. And I had a, 
nearly a gasp reading it, going okay. And uh, yeah, look, it's uh, they're they're lovely benches in the city. They're, they're very expensive benches, if you ask me, in the city. But um, yeah, no, look, obviously uh, uh, it, it, it was a solo run by. Uh, um, I wouldn't say one individual in council, but a, okay. a couple. And um, a stack of pallets uh, texts a listener. <laughs> a stack of pallets. It's a very uh, apt description, if you ask me now. Um, and afterwards, um, uh, there was uh, my brother. Um, he got me a T-shirt. Um, he was just pulling the make of me, to be quite honest with you. And on the T-shirt is "Attack the Robot Killer Trees," <laughs> which I still, which I still have at home. Um, <laughs> okay, there, there was a, there was a time uh, as auspicious as the office is. There was a time that the uh, you know the mayoralty, the Lord Mayor, the, the tenure of a Lord Mayor was a somber um, decorum laid. Uh, laden event, you know, the, the year you, you you'd be treated like uh, a very somber politician, and you had a certain uh, amount of power and respect going around to schools and giving half days. But with, with the advent of social media and the advent of you know the local radio stations and all that, uh, it's become a much more human office where, where you know where the minutia of what you do every day can be looked into, and you have to be a much more rounded person. Would that be fair? One hundred percent. And look, one of the one of the main things I had hoped, and I hope I have brought to the Lord Mayor's office was, albeit you know the first citizen's office and the you know the the beauty and grandeur that goes with it, and the lovely office and the car and stuff like that. You are the first citizen of the city, and you're representing the people of the city. And one of my main themes, my morality, is that you would be accessible. You're, you know, we're all normal people at the end of the day. You know, we all put on our shoes one at a time, regardless of where, what walk of life you come from, and you know, um, regardless of how high you go up. My grandmother used to always say to me, "No matter how far you go up, mind everyone on the way up, because you don't know who you're meeting the way down." <laughs> so you know, um, I hope I've you know brought my own. I suppose touch to the Lord Mayor's office. Um, I'll, I'll be sad to leave it in one sense. Um, I'll be glad to leave it in another sense, um, because your time isn't your own. You're, you're you're pulled from pillar to post. Your diary is handed to you on Friday, um, and look, everyone wants a piece of you. And look, to the incoming Lord Mayor, all I would say is just be yourself and realize that you're not a, a machine. You know, um, it can be very mentally taxing. You can have. 7, 14 successive 12-hour days on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it can be both mentally and physically physically taxing. But, you know, this evening when I hand over the chain, <clears throat> um, I will, I suppose, have you know a sense of sadness, but a sense of optimism as well for our city because when I uh, was elected Lord Mayor and the chain is put on your shoulders for the first time, that's three and a half pounds of solid gold. Uh, it's 238 years old. But the weight that I felt in my shoulders, I don't know, was it, you know... Uh, well, was it actual or symbolic? I'd say both, to be honest with you. It's kind of a wave came over you to realise that you were wearing the same chain that McCartan and Max Sweeney wore, mm-hmm. and that you have big, big boots to fill. Um, and I'm sure the incoming Lord Mayor will experience the same experience that I had 12 months ago, and I've spoken to previous Lord Mayors, and they've said the same. It's, it's, it's a very, very striking moment. Um, but, you know, it, to, to, to sit as first citizen of your city um, is an absolute honour and a privilege and I will never forget it till the day I go to my grave and all I can say to the elected members of Cork City Council who afforded me the privilege of serving as Lord Mayor for the last 12 months and to the people of Cork is thank you from the bottom of my heart because I'll never forget this and I hope I've done our city and its people proud. 
Okay, the two words Lord Mayor roll off the Corconian's tongue uh, very, very, very easily, but it does have its throwback to royalty. Not every city has a has a Lord Mayor. There's only two or three, I think. There's three. So you have Dublin, Belfast and Cork. And Cork was the last one to be afforded the title of Lord Mayor by uh, Queen Victoria when she visited uh, Ireland in 1900. And uh, the title was bestowed upon the Mayor of Cork. Um, because we have we've three Lord Mayors, as I said, Dublin, Belfast and Cork. You have 16 Mayors and the rest other local authorities have a call here, look, our chairperson. Um, and it's, it's something very historic because everyone... The respect shown for the office of mayor or Lord Mayor in Cork and the respect shown for the chain is is something that's mind blowing. I I've been to other uh functions of the country where I've been in the presence of Cahirlik and, and mayors and uh you're trying to explain to them um what, what it's like to be a Lord Mayor and it's completely different to mayors in Cahirlik and like the Lord Mayor of Belfast and the Lord Mayor of Dublin um, and, and myself had the privilege of meeting the President of National Services Day at an early part of my um, tenure and uh, they got it because the opulence went with, with, with the office as well. Um, but, you know, one thing I find very striking and a kind of an oxymoron is inside in the Lord Mayor's office, we're very Republican, we're very proud of our Republican links that we were the first local authority to declare allegiance to Dáil Éireann in 1920 when Lord Mayor McCurtain signed the writ, um, and then obviously he was shot and killed on the 36th birthday in front of his children, um, uh, which was absolutely terrible. Um, and Lloyd George, the British Prime Minister of the day, was actually found guilty of murder, willful neglect and murder by a Republican court. But we couldn't do anything about it because the court system wasn't recognised by the British government at the time. McSweeney then went on hunger strike and died, um, and that made international headlines around the world. And there are two martyred Lord Mayors, and their portraits. Um, are hanging in the Lord Mayor's office. They were actually commissioned by Lord Mayor Goldberg and they're on permanent loan from the Goldberg family to the Lord Mayor's office. But then we obviously have a picture of Michael D. Higgins, the, the current serving first citizen of the state. And then on the wall we have the writ from Queen Victoria. And I always found that very kind of strange that we're very, we're very proud of a Republican link in Cork but we also acknowledge that our title has come from the British monarch. As I suppose does the Royal Dublin Society, the RDS, or the Royal Cork Yacht Club, the RCYC. Oh, 100%. You know, and the, the RCYC celebrated its tricentenary uh, this year, but this past 12 months. Well, two years late. Um, you know, two years late, yeah, and I come to COVID like, like everything else. But um, the chain of office of, of, of Cork has Tudor roses on it. Um, and it, that would traps back to, to British monarchy. Uh, the chain of office of Dublin has, uh, which is about 100 years older than the chain of office of Cork, has uh, a bust of uh, William III on it. So obviously, look, you know, we're very proud of our republicanism within Ireland and within Cork, and we, we, we'll guard it with our lives, but we have to realise that we weren't always a republic. Um, we were a part of the British Empire before... Um, and it took a lot of brave men and women to rebel against the crown and to give us and afford us the privileges and freedoms we have today uh, as a republic. But we can't ignore our history either. And I think it's done very tastefully in the Lord Mayor's office and um, that we are proud of of, of the, the office of Lord Mayor. Like the chain that I had the privilege of wearing for the last 12 months, um, McSweeney was actually court-martialed wearing that chain. Okay. He was arrested in City Hall. Um, he was charged with sedition. He was brought up to Victoria Barracks, which is now Collins' Barracks. They took everything off him, and uh, except he refused to part with the chain. 
So there's actually a, a painting in the officer's mess above him um, called the barracks of McSweeney being court-martialed wearing the Lord Mayor's chain, um, which is which is crazy, you know? So mm. you're an avid Republican fighting for the freedom and principles of a, of a republic. Yes, even McSweeney didn't want to part with the chain of the office of Lord Mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's, as I said, it's done very tastefully in the Lord Mayor's office and the incoming Lord Mayor will, um, will, will soon brush up in her history when she welcomes people into the office. I, I, I know it's for Bahasim at this stage now. Okay, but, yeah, uh, that, that's a great lesson in history even to me. Let, let's go back historically. When I last asked a Lord Mayor, how much is it worth you? It was 35000 a year. Uh, I don't want to get too sensitive here, but in the in in the interest of transparency and freedom of information, what what's you know what's the general package? You get a driver. Uh, is, is there a major escalation from a councillor's salary or a councillor's uh, stipend? Look, you look at councillors. It's all freedom of information. You can go onto Cork City Council's website and see what every every councillor, elected rep, and Lord Mayor is paid. Um, you know, for the office of Lord Mayor, you get an additional thirty thousand for the year. On, which is taxable, uh, on top of your councillor's salary of uh, 25000 per year, which is also taxable. Um, you can't, uh, I don't know what it would be like for, if, if, if we have a female Lord Mayor, but for a male Lord Mayor, uh, you, you don't get any subsidies for dry cleaning. And believe me, I've, I've spent a lot on dry cleaning this okay. year. You're in, a, you're in a suit almost every day of the week. Of course. Um, you know, um, but you, yes, look, you get the driver, you get Finbar, um, who is effectively... Same know, driver every year or your choice? Same driver every year. Finbar Archer has been, I'm his 12th Lord Mayor. Um, the incoming Lord Mayor will be his 13th. He's calling me his 12th Apostle. Um, I don't know why he's going to call the next one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look, Finbar Archer has been driving the, the Lord Mayor for the last 13 years. Okay. Um, and, and the, the car comes used to be sponsored by Ford. Used to get a Lender one for a year and it was, uh, it was you know, it is 22C1. Still, still, still the same? Still the same. Still the same. And uh, I was the first Lord Mayor to go fully electric. In relation to the car, we got a we got a lovely um, gift of a Ford Mustang Mach E, um, beautiful looking car, beautiful inside and outside. Issues with the range, if I'm going to be quite honest with you, uh, for functions in Dublin and Belfast and stuff like that, we had to look at alternative modes of transport because the the range was just an issue. But for around the city, uh, perfect. You've done your perfect. bit for, for for the green movement yeah. anyway. Uh, text yeah. from Margaret McCarthy. Uh, her son Tristan met Cullum last night in Mahan. The whole clan want to wish you the very best of luck. Another texter says, uh, since you've gotten the cycle path now installed across Tremor Valley Park, will you now be cycling to work? Well, I, I don't work in Tremor Valley Park. I work in <laughs> Balancolic. <laughs> and I'll be, I'll, I'll be cycling and walking and driving uh, and, and using public transport and all modes of transport going forward. Well, what do you um, do for a living, Colm? And, and did you have to leave it for a year? I did. I stepped out of it. I own, uh, along with my uh, brother's uh, chain of tyre centres and mechanics, uh, Kelleher Tyres. We've won in uh, Balancolic and uh, inside in Victoria Cross in the city. Um, and, you know, I was, I was actually... I am heavily involved still, but uh, I, I stood out for a year. My brother Michael ran the place in Balancholic and made it whistle. Uh, I came back about a month ago um, where I had a couple of free hours and I was on the floor. And Michael just said, you know, call him, get out of the way. You're actually in my way. Like, yeah, you're you know, not needed so, anymore. You know, so I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, I'm not going back to work Monday. I'm going to take a, a small, I suppose, a week off recharge the batteries um, I'll be in council again on Monday night uh, we, we're, we're voting on our development plan um, and after that on Tuesday I'll just take a few days off and relax and um, you know reflect I suppose on a, a whirlwind 12 months um, yeah. it's been absolutely amazing absolutely amazing um, and look anyone 
in our city uh, or even in our county can become Lord Mayor um, and that's the, the beauty about it. It's one of the most democratic jobs in the world. Oh, well, it's, it's always a councillor and there's always the party, there's a revolving party thing. It's not just anybody. You've got to put your dues in. Yeah, you have to put your dues in. You have to get elected to Cork City Council 100%. And you, there has been independent Lord Mayors, you know. And mm. McFinn was most recently an independent Lord Mayor. So it's not necessarily always a party, um, you know. But if you put your dues in and put your shoulder to the wheel and work with your other elected members inside Cork City Council, yes. And, and that starts with community Mayor. activism, really, doesn't it? It does, it does. You know, before I became a, a local councillor in Balancholic, I was heavily involved in uh, local community um, units in Balancholic. Um, and, you know, that, that stands to, to, to anyone who has ambition to go into public life uh, and to serve your community. Um, and to be elected by your fellow citizens is, you know, probably one of the most humbling experiences anyone can experience. Okay, so let me um, ask you this question, Colm Kelleher. Uh, if it's public activism that gets you elected to the council, eventually gets you the Lord Mayor, uh, the mayoralty, the Lord Mayoralty, if that's the correct term, is the ambition, do you think, of uh, recent Lord Mayors, and one of my great friends, Joe Cavanaugh, was a recent Lord Mayor, uh, is the underlying ambition to run for election? We're going to need 11 more TDs now, according to the census. I'm sure some of them will be, the extra ones will be distributed here. Would that be your game plan? My, my game plan or Joe's game plan? Oh, well, well I, I guess you can't speak for Joe, but uh, what about you? <laughs> Look, um, I'm, I, I'm leaving office this evening, um, and after a world with 12 months, um, I was the first uh, native of Balancholic to be elected to the office of Lord Mayor, the first um, councillor from the expanded area. Um, and the first former student to the column. Um, I've, I was elected to the council for the first time in 2019. So in the space of 2019 to 2021, I went from being an unelected individual to being Lord Mayor of, of Cork. So it can happen fairly quickly. Um, in relation to what I'm going to do going forward, I'm going to take a break, I'm going to reflect, um, I'm going to go back uh, to work, I'm going to go back uh, counselling, uh, as uh, as a local councillor, and look, well, well, if the chips fall in the right direction, who knows? Mm. Okay. Uh, finally, I guess the the onerous weight of responsibility that you said symbolically and actually uh, the chain put on you also uh, demands of you that you serve the office well. Are you happy that each and every day of your year you have fulfilled that obligation, Colin Kelleher? Well, I hope I have, um, and history will be will be the judge of that. Um, one of the main things that I pushed for in my term as Lord Mayor was a supervised medical supervised injection facility in the city, um, and that's something that I will continue to campaign for when I come down off the chair this evening and back out onto the council floor. And I'm delighted to say that you know progress has been made in that regard, but we're not there yet. Um, that would probably be one of my disappointments that I didn't achieve it in my term of office. Mm. But I hope I I, I represented uh, the council. Uh, ours, and our city and the people of Cork in the best in the best way that I could. All right, okay. You didn't dish out any freedoms, did you? I did, Mary Crilly. Oh, Mary Crilly, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, yes, of course, and most deserve it as well. Uh, would you give one to Neil Prandival, though, for giving you 500 quid? Uh, well, that would have to go to lobbying and, uh, you know, the SIPO and all that. Uh, Neil, I'm sure if, if, if Neil Prendival keeps doing what he does on a daily basis, that some future Lord Mayor may consider him from the freedom of the city. All right. Uh, well, we wish you all the very best. Councillor Ke- uh, Cullum Keller, you're still the Lord Mayor, but the outgoing one, uh, the ballot being held tonight, Deirdre Ford is the candidate. All the very best Deirdre for the future, Cullum. Well, look, as, as, as Finbar says, it's the most democratic job in the country. You go into work 
in the car the morning of an AGM and you go home the bus. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting the bus home this evening. Oh, you feel like Mike Pence or an outgoing president now, do you? <laughs> Best of luck, Colm. Thank you very much. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. It's 10.30 on the button. Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show. Another two weeks to go uh, before Neil's return. Now, we often get after-show emails and they go up on our social media channels. And uh, once in a while, there's one that strikes a vein that we just can't believe the number of responses. And this was a very short three-line email. Uh, it went, Hi Mick, I hear a lot of single mothers on the Neil Prenderville Show. Where are the fathers? In other countries, they'd see jail if they didn't pay their way. I'm not judging. Mistakes can happen, but it takes two to tango. Where are all the daddies? And we got lots and lots of comments. I'll give you a flavour of them before we go to our phone lines. What about the fathers who break their backs trying to get involved and the mother stops them at every corner and the judicial take her side? This happens so much. The kids lose out thinking daddy has no interest and it couldn't be further from the truth. So says Ruth. Uh, maybe some, but I wouldn't generalise it and say fathers. I know some amazing fathers who crave more time with their children but aren't allowed it because mothers use the child as bait. I know fathers who do the majority of the childcare, full-time dads, etc. So says Sarah. Uh, and the uh, third comment is, uh, fact is, children don't survive off fresh air. I know a few mothers that the kids see their father with no issues and they put their children first. But regardless of court orders, they don't receive assent. And so says Marie. Uh, interesting, those uh, three comments came from ladies. Aaron Hornibrook is on line one to take up the topic. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, Mick, how are you? Good. Now, you reckon the father should be held responsible even if they choose uh, to not be in the child's life? Yeah, I, I think the... Like, I, I actually responded back to a couple of people. Um, I think a lot of people read the first line and said, oh, our father's getting off lightly. And if you actually read the whole thing, include the whole point was about the single mothers and what I called boys who pretty much, as you said, uh, take two to tango and then they've left and decided not to support the kids. I mean, if you just want to just drive on and not support the child or not want to see the child or be a dad, you still should have to. I mean, you still made the child. Yeah, in, in, in that sense, in that sense, is it all or nothing? And I'm not trying to get into the argument. Of course, you are responsible if you are the father, and of course, you are responsible uh, for for maintenance. But in in that sense, do do you think uh, some guys just walk away and say, "No, no, my life is more valuable than subscribing to this situation"? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's too easy. I mean, look, I know a lot of people wrote that you know there's dads out there who are fighting to see their kids. There's dads out there who do all of the work and the, the, the mother doesn't. I mean, that wasn't the point of the post. I mean, the people, what people said was correct, but that wasn't the point. And I think that was my argument last night. Mm-hmm. It was supporting the, the single mothers who are left to do it all by themselves. I mean, look at the world we live in. Nothing's cheap anymore. Kids are expensive. I mean, there's loads of women out there who are doing it by themselves and love their kids and do better jobs than two parents. Um, look, and I'm in the situation myself, as in like I'm co-parenting. Um, my child's mother's amazing child has you know everything's 50 50 um so i get it and i see how hard it is um i, I couldn't imagine how difficult it is for a single mother to do it by herself okay not wanting to get into any personal details but obviously you and the child's mother came to the conclusion uh that the benefit and welfare of the child comes first let's act like adults let's subscribe equally would that be correct yeah absolutely and i mean look as you said it takes two to tango 
And the way I see it is if if the lady falls pregnant, you're on the dance floor for the rest of your life, the way I see it. And I say that as a dad, because I remember the day I found out that she was pregnant and it is what it is. I mean, I was I was excited at the time. Um, obviously, it was a shock, but that's not the point. You're in it for life. Yeah, but but the fact is, two adults may not be in it for life together as 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 a, yes, exactly. a loving couple. Yes, I think two adults should be amicable. A sit down, agree. This is what it should be. This is what's needed. It's the best for the child. The child should have support from both families, both parents. And look, my son is in the best position. He's got two great families on her side and my side. We get on great. Of course, we have our our arguments here, there, and everywhere. But he's happy. He sees both of us equally and has the best possible life. Uh, that's, uh, that's probably the exception um, to, to what is a very sad rule, but can you only imagine uh, the mental anguish and torture being, uh, you know, being thrust upon a child uh, whose mother never talks well of his father and whose father never talks well of his mother. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's horrible. And like, as I said, we have our arguments, but it doesn't affect him as everyone does. And... I look, it's very minimal that we do. But look, it doesn't affect him in any way and that he is the main focus and always will be. And that's the way it should be. Of course, I know that's not always the case. Um, but as I said, sticking to the title of the post, we're on about, in my view, the people who decided, I don't want to step up. I'm going to walk away. I don't care about my child and carries on as if that child doesn't exist. Yeah, the, the absolute complete wide complexion of opinions uh, if anyone doubts this isn't, a, you know, an emotive subject, uh, can be found on that Facebook post. There are several hundred responses. Each and uh, every one of them are different. But I'm reading from, from you, uh, even though you decided to be a fully-fledged dad and fully involved, right? Let's just say you decided you didn't want to be a dad in any way. I think mentally you, you'd still be a million percent uh, in, in that you would have to support financially. Yeah, and I think I think someone put up, I, I don't know who the lady was, but put up a really good post in the sense that if you don't uh, pay your mortgage, you lose your house. If you don't pay your car, you lose your car, electricity, all this other stuff. Why should you get the choice to say, I couldn't be bothered paying anything for that child? The child needs to be clothed, needs to go to school, needs to be fed. And look, you know the life we live in right now. Everything is expensive. Everything is going up. And like from again sticking to the title of the post and not going into great dads, good dads, bad dads. I'm only on about the people who decided I don't want to be a dad and could walk away free of charge. That shouldn't be an option. Okay. Well, very well said, Aaron, and continued success to you and uh, the child's mum uh, in being responsible and adult parents. And uh, I think your your child is going to have uh, you know the upbringing that many are not getting these days because of silly or petulant arguments or, or whatever but you, you seem to you guys seem to be treading the right path all in as I said with him being the main focus I mean that that's that's always been the main goal okay appreciate it Aaron thanks thanks very much no worries have a good day thanks you too bye bye Ken Joyce is on uh, line two a spokesperson for the Alienated Parents Ireland uh, good morning to you Ken how's it going nice to talk to you yeah, good. Uh, you, you've made a submission to the Department of Justice today. Tell me about that. So the uh, minister um, has put out a request for a public consultation on parental alienation. Um, and it's open to all members of the public. Um, basically, what she did uh, last year was commission a report into parental alienation, what it is, what is the international definition, what are 
in particular, other countries around the world, <coughs> excuse me, uh, doing to address this horrendous form of child abuse, which has largely gone thus far under the radar. So this then is the last stage of that, whereby having received the report in November last year, Minister McEntee has requested that the public give her some on the, uh, on the, on the ground with grassroots kind of stories to put everything in context for her so she understands just exactly uh, how serious this is and what it does to people and how it shatters lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I suppose she's a recent, uh, you know, recent parent herself and happily married, uh, and she may have an interest in this. But of, of course, to be a parent again, I believe. Uh, oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay, um, I don't keep current. Um, but you've got in this document over twenty stories of parents who have been made alienated from their own children. Now, now, this uh, am I correct? This is an erosion of the child's human rights under every European convention, and it's done. It's done. I, I suppose sporadically, or it's done co- in a concentrated fashion by people who don't fulfil their obligations. So it's neglect by exclusion. Uh, yes, it is. Well, it's 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 worse than that because it's an insidious and deliberate uh, form of abuse. In as much as it is deliberately cutting the child's uh, potential to have a loving relationship with half of who they are, if you like, one of their parents, um, out of their lives. And, and no parent has, has the right to do that. To Let, let's, let's pick up those two words again, Ken Joyce. Uh, an insidious and deliberate, and let's add a little more, erosion of your own offspring's human rights. This must be tantamount to a crime. Well, this is precisely what was raised uh, by Senator Barry Ward this week when he called for it to be made a criminal offence. It is already a criminal offence in many countries around the world. In fact, in Mexico, it comes with a 10-year jail sentence. But unfortunately, uh, when when it was raised uh, in in the UK, it was shot down on the basis that, oh, well, you, you can't be giving the the mother or the father of the child a criminal record because that wouldn't be in the child's best interests. Um, however, I would suggest that logic is flawed for the same reason that, you you know, you can't say, well, that man can't be put in jail for murder because it badly affects his children. Yes. And the punishment is supposed to be a deterrent. Yeah, let, let's, and, let's and touch on, no on one, of the, one of the more insidious sides of things. And, I, and I'm not saying it's mostly women. It could be women or men. Uh, who Indeed. are who are performing this very insidious act, and that's what I'm uh, I, what I'm referring to here is in any fashion to use the child as a weapon against the other partner. Yeah, you're weaponizing children, and and worst of all, you're weaponizing your own children. Like, and and this is where you know the whole psychology of things comes in because the psychologists that we have interviewed on our webinar series, Alienated.ie pretty much universally said that, you know, the parent can't be really uh, 100% in the head because for any parent to deliberately and knowingly abuse their own child is, is anathema to, to the species from whence we come. Um, and therefore, the parents would must have some kind of personality disorder in order to perpetrate parental alienation, which is known to have exactly the same long-term psychological and emotional effects on children as physical sexual assault does. So, mm-hmm. 
um, it's it, it, you know it's no it's it's it, it's nothing short of that. And of course, you know, I mean, not to, I mean, it, it, we we try to focus here on the children at all times because um, you know they are the ultimate long term victims of this. But of course, it it hugely affects the alienated parent as well. Since we started two years ago. Uh, We've had three suicides uh, wow. amongst people that we were trying to help because they just couldn't cope anymore. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that people just don't understand this. For instance, uh, only this weekend, Father's Day, um, a, a couple of kids were with one of our clients and uh, they said, look, you know, we haven't been ha- had an overnight with you, Dad, for eight years. We're just going to stay tonight and whether Mom likes it or not, we've had enough. We want to stay and uh, so they wrote to their mum they said we're staying she appeared okay with it and uh, the father went to drop the kid, the other kids back to the mum and the next thing is a heavy arrives on the doorstep and, and, and starts kicking the door in and turned out to be um, the, the mother's boyfriend she had dispatched knowing that the father wouldn't be there and that the children would be in the house alone with the father's fiance. So uh, the children were terrified out of their wits, uh, and as was the fiancé. When the guards arrived, they said, well, look, uh, we can't get involved with pre- with press criminal charges against your man, but, you know, the kids are perfectly safe here. They're, they want to stay, and, you know, they're, they're kind of old enough to be able to make their own mind up, frankly. And it's a civil matter. We don't have jurisdiction, so uh, we're happy the kids are fine. Well, would, then, it, would it be fair to say that, that any children well, who are used as weapons against a partner... That, sorry, just let me finish that story because it's not quite over. Oh, sorry, five okay. minutes later, Five minutes later, uh, a, a sergeant arrived and said, oh, no, 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 we're not having this. We're not, uh, we're not leaving these children here at all. Um, you know, the, the, the mother wants the children back and... The father said, but the children don't want to go. They're now afraid to go. And the guard said, well, we're taking them anyway. And the father objected. And eventually the guard said, well, we're taking them under Section 12 of uh, the Child Care Act of 1991. And we will take them, though, not back to the mother's house, where it's very clear they are terrified to go. Um, But we'll take them to the local hospital for safekeeping. And at one o'clock that morning, the father got a video from his children who were plainly in a prison cell. And the video showed a hole in the wall for a toilet and one plastic bed with no blankets for the the, the kids, one of whom was in short pants. And uh, and later on, he got a, a text from his sons to say, at two o'clock in the morning, Dad, the guards are taking us back. And uh, and, and that father hasn't heard from his children since. They were wow. unable to get in touch with them. All their phones disconnected the lot. And... Um, you know, these these things happen all the time. The Irish Times did a big article on this two years ago about the kids, you know, going up, being taken away from parents who are allegedly unsuitable to take care of them, despite the fact that in this case the Guardian had already confirmed the fact that they were perfectly safe or they were... Um, yeah, they were perfectly and, safe with the father in that situation, you would think. They were. And of course, if they're not safe... And wanted to stay. They wanted to stay. And wanted to Hey, uh, the guardian were perfectly happy that it was safe, but then um, you know, um, then the law kicked in or whatever. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were finished well, there. But what, what I was going to ask you, what I was going to ask you, Ken, uh, would it be fair to say that in, in cases where children are used as weapons against uh, the other side, the other the other parent, if you like, uh, inevitably as they grow in sensibility and reasoning and everything, they tend to gravitate towards that parent from whom they were kept. 
Not always. Um, I mean, we, we have one case of a man who whose daughter is um, 32 years of age. He has never met her. And um, it, uh, he has tried absolutely everything. He doesn't believe she gets any of his correspondence. And she has been um, poisoned uh, against him so badly that she simply... Uh, um, doesn't want to meet him. Doesn't want doesn't want to see the dad, yeah, wow. and uh, even though she'd never met him. Um, we've another case of, uh, you know, a, a fellow who's, you know, the, the, the ex has made uh, uh, allegations against him, which is a very common and unfortunate uh, side effect. It seems to be uh, a silver bullet for uh, people to allege physical uh, abuse, uh-huh. and so... All of this, of course, taking a precious guard of time, which could be used to uh, you know, which is unnecessary, really, these uh, unfounded allegations. Ken, you still there? Okay, we seem to have lost Ken. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, we must mention, of course, uh, we'll see if we can get Ken back after the ad break. Uh, on the Neil Prendeville Show, every Friday is Rooster's Piri Piri Free Food Friday from Douglas and Blackpool. 0868 by text. We're going to feed 15 people, a selection of starters, selection of mains, all meats basted in their famous uh, medium piri-piri sauce. You get fries, you get rice and the newest side, waffle fries. And uh, the very kind people, uh, Mark O'Donoghue and his crew, will also uh, throw in portions of piri mayo and garlic piri mayo. We'll call out the winner uh, in about an hour's time on the programme. And as a special treat, you can build your own cheesecake as well with a selection of toppings like Kinder Bueno sauce and Kinder Pieces and Nutella and lots more. Roosterspiripiri.com and uh, you can check them out. Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. We're back in a moment. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106 Red FM. It's 10 minutes to 11. The main reason I wanted to get Ken back, though time doesn't allow, is that the line broke down slightly uh, when he was uh, giving out the uh, the website. So it's alienated.ie. Alienated.ie. That's the website. And submissions, if you're interested, to the Justice Minister can be sent to parental alienation at justice.ie. Parental alienation at justice.ie. The sheer volume of response uh, to this topic and that email uh, on our social media channels is such that we must return to this at some stage. And if we don't get to it today, it being a very busy program, uh, more than likely we'll get back to it on Monday. But to a different topic now, and that's Stephanie Power on line two. Good morning, Stephanie. Hello. Hi there. Your daughter's heading off on holidays tomorrow, so decided to get a pedicure done. Tell me all about it. Um, yeah, so she was heading to Nur- she's heading to Nurka to her godfather's uh, wedding, and uh, she decided to get a pedicure uh, done, and it was her first time getting one done actually, and um, it just badly went wrong. Uh, they used a kind of a blade shaver, and it cut her ankle. Um, so she said she said it hurted, and so they asked her to put her foot into the water, and when they took her foot up out of the water, she was bleeding. So they ran to the nearest pharmacy to get her powder to stop the bleeding and they put two um, plasters on it and continued to uh, do the pedicure and finish painting her nails. Okay, uh, forgive my naivety. I, I thought a pedicure was just getting your nails painted on your feet. Uh, it's 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 it's, uh, it's stripping away of dead skin and all that, uh, making it fresh again as well, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... Uh, uh, um, we have the picture here. It's the second shocking picture I'm looking at today. The first one we could definitely not put up on our social media. I venture we might put this one up, uh, it being so far from breakfast time. But it's not a pretty sight. No, not at all. No. 
and um, they just basically left her go. They didn't charge her and they gave her a gift voucher for another pedicure and told her to enjoy her holiday and left her uh, go out of the salon the way she was. And she rang me um, very upset, so I, I picked her up. Can she walk? She is putting the pressure on the front of her foot because she can't, you know, kind of walk on the heel. Okay, let, let me describe what I'm seeing here around the heel and right up to the, uh, the top of the ankle. Uh, it, it's it's kind of white, soft, mushy skin like you'd see if you were cooking a ham, forgive me. Um, and, and then there's affected red skin. Uh, it goes deeper than that. And then another hole, which is right down to blood. It's, yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's yeah. dark red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I picked her up, the blood was uh, seeping through the two plasters they had put her on. It looks like a serious burn wound from a bonfire. Yeah, well, the white stuff, to be fair, is powder, do you know, that they put on to stop oh, sorry, the actual okay. bleeding. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just brought her to my nearest chemist and, uh, and seen um, to see what I could do because they said she, she didn't need stitches, but obviously she would have to keep it clean and dressed and... But I'm lucky enough to be working in a hospital and I asked uh, the advice in the dressing clinic so they were able to advise me on what to do. But I'm just terrified now it'll be infected on holidays, you know. I know. Uh, uh, you share this on social media. Some of the comments that happened to my daughter three weeks ago, it looks like it's infected. Uh, you need to go to get her, get her to the doctor. Uh, Steph, unbelievable. Oh my God, Steph, that's awful. What a disgrace. And uh, one says, looks like she went to the butchers. Shocking. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've had private messages of people um, who've said it happened to them in the same salon. We have been in touch with the salon. We're uh, awaiting a response. Uh, okay. And, uh, and not, nice of you not to mention the, the name of the salon yet. Um, because, you know, it, they're entitled to a response. But if this is factual, um, then, you know, she, she's going for a pedicure to, you know, probably ostensibly to feel better going on holidays to Nurka. It doesn't look like this can be put out in any sort of sunshine. No, not at all. And she can't go into the sea. And she's not the type of girl who drinks or anything. Like, she, she'd be very healthy. Her and her boyfriend have gone away. And they both just done the marathon a few weeks ago. And they'd be into just going for walks and um, going to the gym and, you know, going to the swim pool. And she can't do any of that now. Okay. Uh, let's leave the name of the salon for now until they come back to us and come back to you and maybe the voucher and not charging her is all you're going to get. Um, but uh, this shouldn't happen to anybody else. So Look, I'm not looking for anything at all. I just want to make it aware, you know, that it won't happen to somebody else, you know. I mean, her holiday is ruined, you know. Okay. Uh, so be careful if you're going for a, pedi a pedicure. Uh, go to a specialist probably. Uh, weigh up yeah. the needs. Do you really need one? Is it just that extra thing that uh, you want to get done that possibly you, you can get away without doing? I, I don't know. I've never had one. My feet are too sensitive. If you, if you touch them, I'll be <laughs> laughing. So, so <laughs> like public reflex reaction and kicking in the head and that kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah. th but thank you for your restraint. I know you're angry uh, and I know you've published the name of, of, of the venue on uh, social media, but let's not add uh, more fuel to the fire until we can get to the bottom of it. Will, will you keep in of touch and, and tell us if she's gone on holidays, how she's getting well, on she on has, holidays? She has. She's gone, she's gone this morning, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and will you, will you please let us know over the next couple of weeks uh, how fast it's healing? I will, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. Stephanie Power, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, bye. Thank you, thanks, bye-bye.
Wasn't Stephanie Power the name of a famous actress as well in Heart to Heart? Or am I getting it wrong? Uh, our father's getting off lightly. We have an email on that topic. In this situation, I would rather be the female. I've never seen a radio station or poll to discuss the thousands of fathers out there who do pay their maintenance, get access orders to see their children, and the women totally ignore the order and use the children as weapons because they know that's the easiest way to get at the dads. The fathers must spend a fortune to go back to court to have the mainly female judges look at them like they're dirt, only interested if they're in if their maintenance is paid and when they explain this could be their fourth or fifth appearance to see their children and the mother has broken the court order every time, what happens? Nothing. It's a disgrace that good dads out there are treated like that, uh, like that the Irish males have no rights. A woman can walk into an Irish court, court, make up any lies they want and leave with a barring order. So no one talks to the man to get his side of the story. He's just instantly made homeless because of our legal system. The poor woman wouldn't lie. And very few men can afford the fees to constantly keep going to court to face female judges who don't care if they see their children or not. They are nothing more than an ATM machine. I would love to hear this discussed in detail because of the amount of men in this position is scary, says Francis by email. That's a lot of sweeping statements in there, Francis, uh, which uh, we would be happy to discuss in more detail. God, I've only 30 seconds left to get a couple of Free Food Friday mentions out. Free Food Friday, uh, Bar 1 Racing, Evergreen Road, Turners Cross. All the staff are very kind to me there. I want to apply for them and keep me winning the lotto. I'd really love if they won it. They'd be delighted. The Millennium Hair Clinic in Blackpool. Hi to all the staff there, especially Valerie Walsh. She's very good to her clients and I'd love if they won. And uh, we'll do uh, one more for now. I'd love to nominate St. Stephen's Ward in St. Finbar's for Free Food Friday. The lovely staff there ordered food last Saturday as a treat for the residents. Unfortunately, the de- delivery driver didn't deliver. To say that the elderly residents were extremely disappointed would be an understatement. Please put a smile on their faces today. We've news at 11 on the way. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Busy, busy program this morning. We want to get to uh, recognize some of those who texted in for Free Food Friday. Uh, and of course, it's our uh, weekly giveaway of fantastic food uh, from Roosters Piri Piri and Douglas in Blackpool. Uh, let's give you the full gambit of what you're going to get here if you win. A selection of starters, which will include beef skewers, chicken skewers, chicken wings, mains, including beef burgers, chicken pitas, and chicken wraps. All meats basted in their famous medium Piri Piri sauce. They're also going to throw in Piri salted fries, rice, and the newest side, which is waffle fries. And throw in portions of Piri Mayo and garlic Piri Mayo, so you can dress it up and dip in whatever you want to do yourself. And as a special treat, they'll allow you to choose and build your own cheesecake with a selection of toppings like Kinder Bueno sauce, Kinder Pieces, Nutella, and lots more. Roosters, PiriPiri.com uh, in Douglas and Blackpool. Kilsaran Quarry and Ovens would love uh, some roosters. They're working hard, organising loads of stone out to sites. Happy Friday, Mick. We'd love to win the Free Food Friday today. It would really cheer us up on this miserable day from all the staff in the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland in Besborough in Black Rock. O'Shea's Cole Family Business on Rutland Street. All the staff deserve it, especially Margaret O'Shea. She's one in a million and I'd love if uh, they won it. Hi Mick and team, uh, could I nominate the Matter Private Hospital Stores teams for your Free Food Friday, please? Working flat out and keeping all the wards and theatres stocked up to treat all the patients. Thanks, said Mark. Emma's Nails and Vicky Lynch Polished and Lashes uh, by Ashling. Uh, that's a big, long uh, set of businesses there. Emma's Nails 
and Vicky Lynch Polished and Lashes by Ashling. Oh, three businesses on the old Mallow Road would love the roosters. We'll share with the lads next door at D&D Detailing. Happy Friday to all the team. Free Food Friday for the Puffin Ward in CUH. Mary Coakley and all the ward would love some roosters. Uh, so texts in Vince Conroy. Expert attic conversions in Carrick Tool. Uh, it's a lovely run through every Friday, actually, of the skill sets that are out there and all of the community working uh, to make a community, I suppose, to build and to feed and to transport and whatever else uh, that you're doing out there today. We salute all the workers. Irish Express Cargo in Dublin Hill is busy moving freight all over the world. The lads would love this in the warehouse, please. Carrigaline Joinery uh, would love lunch on a day like today. Everybody needs good food to cheer them up. Good morning from all the staff at Northside Glass on the Old Mallow Road. Love a free food delivery after a hard week's work. Please send Free Food Friday, Mick, uh, to all the hard-working staff at Noreen's Hair Studio in White's Cross. From all the gang, Noreen, Ella, Brida, Ita, Catherine and Sheila Kay, all working very hard here today. And uh, lots of staff and clients to get through the roosters if we get it. I would love it at Glenfe- Glenfield Preschool, Dublin Hill, to get the free lunch. They're finishing up today. Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormac, Blockwall Developments in Ballantlana. Uh, we are a t- small team of nine from MSDQA. Uh, we've not been together since before COVID. I'm planning a picnic today in the Lee Fields to all meet up, but we had to cancel because of the rain and weather warning. We love the food. Thanks, says Bob QA Brinny. Hi from Blue Coast Skip Hire. We'd love the Free Food Friday. Uh, we're in Cove, hardworking men, and we love the show. I work in Regatta Great Outdoors on the Model Farm Road. I think we deserve this today as we're all heading to Lewis Capaldi concert. Uh, bring the umbrellas, guys, and we'd love lunch as a treat to top the day off, says uh, Rebecca McCarthy. I make lunch for all the team at Celtic Interiors in Douglas, working extremely hard, and a couple more. Free food, we've loads more, but just a couple now. Free food Friday for all the staff at Irish Oxygen on the Waterfall Road. Stacey, Olga, Anya and Pat working hard in the office. And for Kerr Accountants on the Tremor Road, Chloe and all the gang are hard at work. So that's our Free Food Friday with Roosters Piri Piri. Last chance in the next 30 minutes or so to uh, get texting in 0868104106 saying who you are, where you work and why you want us to pick you. Now then, that's our shout-outs. Let's go back to our phone lines in line two. Diana, good morning. Hi, good morning, Nick. <laughs> You're getting incensed, are you? I, when I heard your man, when I heard uh, your man Kelleher on earlier... The Lord Mayor. And the Lord Mayor. And he was saying how his, you know, he made a bit of a joke about the, or he made some kind of a humorous comment about these um, robot trees. And I was thinking... Why, what, I, ah, really got me dander up because I was basically thinking 350,000 spent on those things. 350,000. Someone Somebody called him a stack like of pallets. Exactly, a stack of pallets. No, he, did admit it, he did admit it was a low point. I brought it up. Low point, the, uh, the robot trees. He did admit it was. <laughs> um, I kind of think, how the heck did he get away with, with signing off that in the first place? I mean, it, 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 presumably it's his job to sign off on decisions made by the council or something. And to actually sign off on that and then have a joke about it, saying that his brother got him a, a, a T-shirt with the killer robot trees on it. Yeah, and another texture says it's a wonder they survived bonfire night. Exactly. It's a wonder they survived, um, they're su- still surviving. I mean... That must be one of the, the biggest jokes in spending in court history. Well, we had the... Uh, could they not... Do you remember the floating garden? Have... Oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> that's another one, yeah. But that was um, that was a good a good time back, and I think things were slightly different e- um, economically as well at that stage. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think this this kind of innocuous spending, uh, you know, I'm all for the arts, and I know the arts does a lot of good for uh, not just for mental health, but for society in general. But sometimes when people don't get it, uh, the value pro- proposition here is that possibly too much money was spent on something nobody likes. Exactly, and I mean they're, they're just they're just an eyesore. I mean the stacks of pallets. 350,000 or however much it cost. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, when I heard that, I thought, for flip's sake. <laughs> I, I tell no, the artist I, is happy, though. I, I bet he is. <laughs> I bet the person who invented them is well happy. <laughs> yeah, the, there's an atmospheric scientist apparently called Dean Venables, and he said the devices are, quote, a costly and ineffectual gimmick, unquote. He said this in August of last year when they were installed. Oh, Jesus, I think they shouldn't have been put up there in the first place. Anyway, that was just my little rant at the time. <laughs> where, where, would you, where would you put the money to better use? Uh, well, there's lots of places. I mean, renovating some of those derelict houses that have been emptied that the council owned for so long. A um, couple of hundred thousand or a hundred thousand into that wouldn't, ha- wouldn't, wouldn't be any uh, disservice. Um, there'll be, there's money to be made or to be spent that could be spent more wisely um, and helping those who are in financial difficulty, maybe lessening the burden on them, um, maybe giving food to the homeless, things like that. I don't know, Jesus, there's a, a lot of places that 350,000 would be of benefit to anyway. <laughs> Point taken, Diana. I hope we haven't dampened the Lord Mayor's last day now, but it kind of has to be said, doesn't it? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, how the hell he even thought about it was a good idea to do this, I don't know. <laughs> okay, thanks a million, Diana. <laughs> okay, Cheers. take care. Bye-bye. Uh, King, Kinga also rang us back to say that uh, thanks, her friend's son has now gone for his operation following the interview. And I'm not sure the interview had anything to do with that. It's probably just timing of the triage system. So uh, good news, though, because that was a horrifying inju- injury. Uh, so bad, uh, we wouldn't uh, even put it up on our own social media. Uh, horrifying injuries to both hands Uh, but now apparently after the interview and I'm not sure if because of the interview and I hope not, I hope it's just a natural progression into theatre that her friend's son has gone for the operation and we wish him the very best and a speedy recovery This is the Neil Prenderville Show Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106 Cork's Red FM Just turning 20 past 11 on this Friday morning and Shannon is on line one Hi Shannon Hi, how are you? Very good. Now, we've had a number of representations to put this uh, topic on the air uh, from very frustrated car park users uh, who are using the car park we're going to mention, uh, living nearby or whatever. Uh, It's kind of commonly known as the Monkey Maze car park in Glanmire, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you rent nearby and you use the car park. You live in a bend, so the road is dangerous and you kind of have to park in there. Yeah, it is. Um, now, I'd have no problem parking elsewhere, but there's literally, there's nowhere to park. Um, cars that wouldn't park in Monkey Maze Car Park would park over by the AIB Bank, but that's over, that's under construction now, and where they did have parking there, they're after turning into footpaths. So you'd get about three cars over there now, um, but trying to get them is, you, you can't get them, they're never available, there's always cars there. Okay, and about four or five months ago, if I'm correct, the APCOA charges came in there. 
it's AGI came in. Um, you could pay for a number of hours, but I used to pay for the 24 hours because it was just working out cheaper and meaning that I could park there longer. Um, and they came in place. And what it used to be was €7 Euro for the parking and a, a €1 Euro convenience fee. Okay. So €8 Euro in total. And 48 hours ago, when I went to pay, it went from €8 Euros to €16. Euros. So €15 Euro for the parking and a €1 convenience fee on top of that. Okay, so how much did it cost you previously? Well, previously it was nothing. And then four or five months ago, the APCOA charges came in. What was the daily rate then? Eight euro. Okay, okay, you could live with that. It's now sixteen euro. Sixteen euro. So if yeah, how much is day. that? Yeah, and, and do you need it seven days? Well, like not ideally seven days, and I don't need to be parking there during the day. Like it's only just overnight. It's somewhere to park the car at night. Okay. It's not that I'm there all the time. I'm not, and like even if Monkey Maze was open and they were busy and I couldn't get a park in there, you'd just drive on, you'd go elsewhere, like you'd, you'd make do. It's only at night time, it's just somewhere to park the car, and Monkey Maze at night time, there's nobody there, it's cool. There's nobody there, yeah? There's nobody there, so like it's just basically, night time is what I need it for. I have a five-year-old daughter, and that road is so, so busy, like, and they come around my bend at speed, like I've had a few near misses a few times with my daughter, so it's just the safest option is for me to park in Monkey Maze. When I have a small child, if it was just me, I wouldn't care. But it's, it's my child I'm thinking of. And that's why I need to park in Monkey Maze. And that's why I do park in Monkey Maze. And it kills me to pay it. But I was paying it. Yeah, you were paying the eight a day, okay. Uh, so this is a private car park, right? I know Monkey Maze is. is very, very popular uh, with the younger kids. And, uh, you know, birthday parties and all that sort of get-together sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a private car park, though, is it? It is. It's privately owned. Do you know who owns it? Monkey Maze, I think. Okay. Um, and it was used in the evening, kind of with their permission, uh, as a community-friendly gesture to leave local residents parked there? Well, yeah, like, I presume, like, if they had a problem with me parking there in the evening, they'd come over and say it. But now, again, in saying that, like, before um, Abcoa parking charges came into place, like, if you were parked there and they didn't want you parking there, you'd get a sticker on your car window. Now, I can't remember word for word what that sticker said, but I know I did get one one time. It's just like a warning like that you, like you're parking on private property, you will be clamped. Okay. Um, and I've known that my sister, when my sister came down to me, this is back when I, when I first moved in, about going back now, about two years, I'd say, two, three years, she was only there five minutes and she was already after receiving a sticker. And within about 15 minutes after that, she was clamped. Okay, we've got Rachel... So, like, well, Rachel on line two. Hang on there, Shannon. Rachel is yeah. on line two. You're a resident in, in Glanmire, Rachel, are you? Hi, Mick. Good morning. Yes, Hi, good morning. I, I, I live not too far away from Shannon. Okay, and you use the car park? Um, we were using it previous to lockdown. Um, there was never any issue. Um, basically, we all worked full time, so we're gone during the day. Uh, we come back and park in there evening time is overnight when the car park is empty. Um, we are all very respectful of uh, weekends there because they're extremely busy, that's grand. And we just park elsewhere. So I couldn't see an issue myself. Um, I know it's a private car park, but just in the spirit of community, um, that business is there a long time, as with a lot of other businesses around the area. So um, I did, as I say, didn't think it was an issue. Um, the day that they were opening up after lockdown, 
um, overnight these stickers were all put in our cars and letters to say basically if you want to park here anymore you have to pay um, so it kind of moved us down to the other end of the business park uh, which was fine for a while as well and then the Monkey Maze customers started to park up there um, at weekends and that was causing a huge kind of bottleneck uh, up there so they brought in clamping as well and they were well within their age to do that, um, you know. So um, it forced us to park over at AIB. Um, this was all the road work going on there at the moment. Um, during the week, we come out to another letter on our windscreens to say that they were starting some drainage works that day. No end date, nothing to say when, you know, when it was ending. Uh, they barricaded all the parking spaces there and left space for about three cars. So okay. we're now all like, yeah, we're all parking up on the footpath over there. So is, is what um, you're saying, it, it was kind of used in community spirit with Monkey Maze's permission pre-COVID. Uh, and at the weekends, when they're obviously very, very busy in Monkey Maze, you would move on out of respect. Um, then you started paying the charges. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't pay the charges. <laughs> um, you know, I don't kind of. Yeah, I just, um, I just, I, I wouldn't pay the charges, no, no, but um, I just find it very strange that, uh, well, see, I don't have children, so um, Shannon needs to park there, um, because for a small, small one, you know, um, it's not safe parking over at AIB by any means, it's got worse. Would, would, um, would there be yeah. an option, Shannon, would, would you think, for locals like yourself, who obviously need it for the safety of your child, uh, you'd be happy to pay the old rate, would you? The the HRO rate. Yeah. yeah, like I was I was paying it all along. Now like in saying that all those HROs add up if I'm paying every night. But in saying that I was given it mm. because it's safer, but I'm I I just can't justify the, the sixteen euro, I think it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, a, te- a, te- a texture says, Tell that lady to park outside Mickey O's car parts. He'd probably leave her parked there overnight and there'd be no harm in asking. Uh, Mick, that's Mick O'Connor. Great uh, motor factors there, just in that same area and using the same car park. I'm not sure if, if the uh, the car spaces outside Mickey O's would be Mickey O's to give, but uh, we can uh, we can read a statement uh, from Monkey Maze to you guys now. Uh, this is a statement from Monkey Maze Glenmire. The Monkey Maze car park is a private car park. Private is underlined. Uh, people who live in the area, work in the area, or are customers of the businesses in the area regularly use the car park. They feel entitled to use it, but this should not be the case, as it is to the detriment of Monkey Maze customers. Parking has always been an issue. We get regular backlash from customers when the car park is full or there's no space for them to park. This is often because non-Monkey Maze customers are parking here, and that's not fair. As a business who was hard hit by COVID and closed for 19 months, we had very little trade until things began to pick up in February of this year. So it's very hard to see customers driving away. There's a business park adjacent who simply clamp cars that are not meant to be there. This is much harsher, yet people don't seem to be taking it up with them. Uh, we understand there's a lack of parking in the village, but surely this is a council or landlord problem and not monkey mazes problem. At the end of the day, it is a private car park. Once again, private is underlined. Our car park is free for customers and there is a fee of just €4 Euros for overnight parking outside of business hours from 8pm to 10am. So that's the end of the statement there. So €4 Euros overnight if you go in after 8 and come out before 10. Where is this €4 Euros coming from? Yeah, because um, I can't... Monkey mazes for the first people... Go on. 
Shannon. Who wants to go first? Shannon, go on. I contacted Abcoa the other night when I realised that it went from 8 euros to 16 euros. And they did state that Monkey Maze had said to them that there is an overnight charge of 4 euros and something, um, but it's not on the app, it's on the website. Now, when I went to pay for parking last night, because there was no parking by the bank, there was nowhere for me to go, I tried to find the 4 euro overnight parking and I couldn't find it. I tried to ring Abcoa about 3 or 4 times last night and it just kept ringing out. There was no answer from it. But there's no option for that four euro parking. Do you know how many parking spaces APCOA manage? No, I haven't a clue. No. One million four hundred thousand across thirteen countries and they employ approximately four thousand five hundred people. It's not just Fred and the Shed. They actually handle the parking here as well, uh, at the at the Red FM complex. And that's not so bad now because there's a lot less cars uh, since the advent of COVID here. Uh, and I know they, they manage around Douglas and I know they manage in the woolen mills. And all that kind of thing. But you're saying you can't, you couldn't get through to them last night? No, couldn't get through to them, no. Tried ringing them. But when I rang them the other night, when it went from 8 to 16, I was able to get through straight away. But when I tried to get through last night to tell them that, like, I can't find the option for the four-euro overnight parking, um, I couldn't get through to them. And it's not on their app. Like, the man on the phone that I dealt with the other night, he was lovely. He said that it's on website, not the app. But when I went onto the website and I typed in the location, there was nothing coming up for it. But do, do you take it that as generous as Monkey Maze can be with, uh, you know, with overnight parking and giving to the community, that they have a business to run and they need car spaces for people dropping off their own children? Of course I do. Like, I mean, they were hit hard for COVID. They were closed long enough. I've had many birthday parties. My daughter has many, had many play dates in there. But, like, there's, there's two cars. It's, it's me and Rachel. And I know, like, the hairdressers that was long, alongside us, they were parking there. Their clients were parking there. But they were paying. It's not like we were parking there and being greedy and being like, oh, we're parking here now. Look at us. Like, they were paying. We're paying to park there. Shannon, what, what, what time would you generally park your car there and what time would you move it on? Um, about six or seven in the evening. See, it depends. My daughter does activities, so it depends when we get home from activities until I'm up and out for the school in the morning and a half, it's Okay, so not a problem in the morning, but it looks like you're encroaching on their stated business hours in the evening time. But every time I go to park my car at night time, it's monkey maze is closed. It's not open. When they're busy on the weekends, I'm up and out. I never, ever park there on the weekends. I'd go off, I'd go do something with my daughter, I'd go call to my mum, I'd go... Like, I'm never there on the weekends. And I know weekends for Monkey Maze is their busiest. And I'm not denying that they're entitled to their customers. They were closed long enough. Yes. But we're never, ever there on the weekends. Okay, big car park to the side of AIB is always closed, I'm told. Uh, even to AIB customers. Would that be an option? Yeah, I, yeah no, I, we did. Me and Rachel had this discussion the other night when I was talking to her about that car park. Um but like it's it's never open, and we did I, we did say to each other we were like there's a huge car park over there, but like it's for AIB workers. Now we haven't got in contact with anyone within relation to parking there, and um, because I wouldn't even know how to go about it. Who do you approach? Okay, um, I'm just trying to find common like ground where, whereby Monkey Maze can can run their business effectively, uh, Apcoa can charge effectively, and if the four euros on offer uh, from eight pm to ten am overnight, that seems like a that seems like the golden nugget here. It does, it does, and a BID if that was the case, but I can't, I can't, there's no option there for it. When you're going on to pay on the Abcoa app, there's no option there for it. The man from Abcoa told me it's on the website, and when I tried to put it in on the website last night, like the location, Monkey Maze, there was nothing coming up for that. 
Okay, I just want to refocus again before I go back to uh, Rachel. Uh, just from the Monkey May statement, uh, they're saying our car park is always free for customers. Uh, what they're saying is there's a fee of just four euros for overnight parking outside of business hours. That's just from uh, 8 p.m. to 10 a.m. And I wonder if Monkey Maze could come back to us and, and clarify where that four euro charge uh, is available. Would you be happy not to park uh, outside of those hours and just go in between 8 p.m. and 10 a.m.? Would you manage? Yeah, I would. Okay. Let's see if we can find some common ground here and let's move forward with positivity, okay? Uh, Rachel, any final comment from you? Um, I suppose uh, a kind of highlight, I know it's not too positive, but um, it kind of coincides with um, all the roads or all the parking area at AIB being blocked off. That very day that that happened, Monkey Maze uh, doubled the price of the parking. So to me, that's just absolute great. Um, again, putting the squeeze on normal working class people, um, it's not good enough. And we get it, private car park underlined and all that, yeah. Um, but we don't park there on the evening time, or sorry, we don't park there at the weekends. We never abuse the area. They were the ones that brought in the clamping in the first place, you know, but it's all very well to their customers. No, they're, they're not clamping according to their statement. It's, uh, it's an adjacent car park is clamping. No, no, no. They brought in clamping uh, at the start. Okay. Let's see if we can find some common ground. We'll await maybe an update from, from Monkey Maze. Uh, and we do once again recognise their need to have adequate parking for their customers who come, obviously, with their little ones from uh, near and far. Uh, but, uh, of course, if there can be a community spirit involved here, we might be able to come to an amicable solution uh, that will keep everybody happy, and that's our hope. All right, guys, thanks Thank a million. You. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks so much, mate. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Free Food Fridays, once again, so much to get through between now and 12 midday, including a world premiere of uh, a single from local artist Ronan O'Driscoll. His new song, Cages, is going to get, I believe, its first play on radio ever anywhere in the world on the Neil Prendeville Show. You can text or WhatsApp 0868104106 for Free Food Friday with Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool. I think you know by now what you're going to get if you win. Mains, chicken wraps, chicken pitas, beef burgers, starches, chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers, Piri salted fries, making me hungry now. Rice and the newest side, waffle fries, piri mayo, garlic piri mayo and for dessert, kinder bueno, cheesecake or kinder pieces or Nutella and lots, lots more. Hi guys, lunch for 30 of us at Zucar Little Island, please from Dennis Lowther in the north side. Uh, thank God it's Free Food Friday for Arthur and all the co-workers in Lehan Motors in uh, Toyota. Uh, keep up the great work, the only man who can fill the shoes of Neil. Thank you very much. Uh, morning all at Red FM uh, from all at Gutter Guy Services, Blarney. Keeping all the houses in the area in tip-top condition. We love a Rooster's Piri Piri lunch. Lunch would be a great treat for all the gang working here in the Home Support Office in Olin Ballyfian Health Centre. The canteen in Whitegate Oil Refinery. We love this prize. We enter every week, says Lorraine Meredith. Uh, Roosters, please, for all of us at Stanta in Blackpool. We're starving. Two more. Free Food Friday for the lads at Castle Point Boatyard in Crosshaven. And could I please nominate the hard workers in Glintown Care Centre in Glanmire, please? And thank you. Final text now for Roosters Piri Piri Free Food Friday on 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. And a very good morning from the Neil Prendival Show coming up on 20 minutes to 12. Gary Wilson is with us. He's on the uh, line three and he's the owner of Bell Valley Castle. Good morning, Gary. Morning, Mick. How are you doing? Very good. Now, you're on to talk about, and I hope I get the pronunciation correct, is it Gaia? 
Uh, Gaia. It's, it's Gaia. the Earth artwork in St. Coleman's Cathedral. Okay, now this is the globe that's currently there. Some friends of mine went and saw the concert there the other night. They were blown away by the whole spectacle. Yes. Uh, there's been a wedding there. It's been a huge tourist attraction. You're quite the benefactor to Cove, aren't you, Gary? Um, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to put something back into the community, Mick. You know, as you know, we restored the castle a few years ago. The mm-hmm. community reacted very well to that, and then we've just been trying to just been trying to do some interesting things around town. Yeah, and you originally saw the artist Luke uh, Jerram's work in Harrogate, then saw the photos around the world. I know there's a moon going around the world as well, uh, but you thought you should bring this to Cove. The, the, the money has been bantered around there, right? It's about two and a half grand a day, so it's very generous of you. Um, well, we, yeah, we'd seen it in Harrogate, and then I literally, I, when he brought the Earth artwork out, I saw it in, it was front page news, whichever city it went to, and I saw it in the Times newspaper, and I thought, wow, wouldn't that look amazing in <clears throat> St. Coleman's Cathedral? And I just, I contacted the artist and, and he said, look, Gary, uh, we need, the rule is you need to present the moon and then you can present the earth. And luckily, Cork Midsummer Festival had presented the moon exhibition a few years ago. So I contacted Cork Midsummer and I said, look, could we do this as part of the festival this year? And they said, great. So I got back in touch with the artist and I said, good news, we have done the moon, could we bring the earth? And then at that point he agreed and this was the first time it was brought to Ireland. Okay, what exactly is it? It, I know it really physically represents the earth and it's kind of spinning and everything. Is it a helium balloon? Is it on a motor? Is it on wires or what? it's, It's made by a company that makes hot air balloons in Bristol in England. And it's, it arrives in its uninflated state. It arrived on site uh, a couple of weeks ago. We inflate it. I mean, not only is it a beautiful piece of art, it's actually quite the engineering feat as well because it's got a fan inside it, which is going 24 hours a day, which means it's fully inflated 24 hours a day. Uh, it's got a motor at the top of it, which makes sure it spins around once every four minutes. It's got its own sound installation. You know, it's just a beautiful thing, and it it's made up of images uh, from satellites around the world. So these are real images put together. You know, thousands of images put together of the Earth's surface, uh, and then it all comes together in this beautiful artwork that Luke Jerome's created. And of course, it's benefiting the uh, the visiting liners that are coming in in that space of time that it's going to be there as well. How long more will it be there? It's, it's last day is Sunday, so we've only got today, Saturday and Sunday left. And I know last weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you know, it, it was absolutely packed. And then you throw into that, make the, the visitors from the cruise liners that, that visit Cove as well. And it's been absolutely fantastic to see the place so busy. Of course, it then has a knock-on effect because the town's busy, the pubs are busy, the restaurants are busy. We went down into Cove um, last uh, Sunday night to get something to eat. The bars had sold out of food. They'd been that busy. You know, and, uh, you know, it's just been great. I went into the Roaring Donkey on... Um, oh, my favourite pub in the world. The public, and very, the public and very kindly bought me a pint to thank me for the extra uh, custom that it's brought to them. Oh, fantastic. You know, so it, great it's spot. It's a big economic impact as well. 
Okay, economically, of course, the castle didn't do you very well. You thought you'd get it all, all out of the way for a million. It cost you five million. Have, have you recouped those? Not losses, but have you recouped that investment in any way? I, I know you're a very successful businessman. Yeah, look, Del Valley Castle isn't an investment. It's it's a, you know, it's just, a, it was a project and something that Anne and I wanted to do. So there's no, I'm not out to recoup any investment. Uh-huh. We did it. Look, my nine to five job during the day is to make investments and that's how I, I generate money to do these types of projects. Any chance so you come I'm over and look really at Monkstown Castle, no? Pardon? Any chance you'd come over and look and bring Anne over and look at Monkstown Castle? Going very cheaply at the moment. I've got another project in me, Mick. (laughs) Okay. Um, So well well done, Gary, for everything you do for Cove. I know you you cover the fireworks as well for for last year's regatta. And uh, you continue to be a benefactor and very popular in the area. I know you've you've had all of the people of Belle Valley uh, into... uh, you know, to house warm or castle warm your place. Uh, so yeah. uh, best wishes and, and, and your uh, continued generous nature for Cove and everything you do for it. Make no problem. And listen, if any of your readers are coming down, honestly, it will blow you away because the photographs on social media just don't do it justice. It looks funny. When you see it in person, everybody says, we are so glad that we came to see it. So honestly, if you get a chance this weekend, come on down to Cove and see it. Fantastic, Gary. Thanks a million. Well all done. There. Well done for all you do. A very quick one now. Let's go to line five and to Noel. Good morning, Noel. Hi, Mick. How are you? Hi. Your son Callum won Teen Idol in 2019. He did. He did. Singing Lewis Capaldi's Forever. Yeah. He okay. Did. And Lewis Capaldi's in town tonight. And what are you asking us to try and organise? Um, to see would Lewis Capaldi bring Callum up on stage with him. He was also on RT um, with Donica's Too Talented last year. With his dad singing Before You Go from Lewis Capaldi as well. And he's recently started to bus as well in town, so he's, you know, he, lo- he loves Lewis Capaldi's song, so would be, Okay. You know, I, I, know for, I know for a fact know, that Lewis Capaldi... Happy. Lewis Capaldi is of, of the, the good nature and uh, the yeah, good spirit yeah. that he would do this if he was listening. Uh, other yeah, than that, yeah. we've no direct connection to Lewis Capaldi unless any of the stage crew uh, are listening right now. There is a guy called Callum Scanlon... Scanlon, ma- Scanlon okay, yes, yeah. who'll make himself known, and if Lewis could put him up on stage tonight to be part of the stage show, that would be absolutely brilliant in Musgrave Park. It'll brighten up a wet evening. Uh, so, well done, Noel. We'll put, we've put it out there. That's all we can Thanks do. Thanks very much, Mick. Much appreciated. Thank Thanks you, a million. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. We play out musically as we tend to like to do on a Friday. We've got a bit of a world premiere going here. Uh, because we have a young man from uh, from Cork who has not only uh, released his first single, is spending his first few seconds on radio right now. Yeah. And we're going to get the uh, world premiere of your brand new single, which toppled Kate Bush. It did. On the top of the streaming chart. Saturday, yeah, at some stage. So Roland O'Driscoll, good morning. Good morning, how are we, Mick? It's a name we're going to be hearing a lot more of. Uh, I know you because I, I know your folks. Um, yeah. And it's a sad thing, you know, that when uh, when the children of your friends start becoming rock stars, you really, really have to accept you're getting old. <laughs> uh, you're not that old, Mick, jeez. Uh, but I've known you through the village playing in, in the local sailing club and stuff and the piano and singing and guitar and the whole thing. Music has been a passion all of your young life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I started off. Um, my mother sent me to the piano lessons as a very young child, and ever since then it's just kind of grown into something. And uh, about four years ago, I started writing my own songs, just trying it out. You know, I wasn't sure was it, would it be any good or not, but um, it's kind of uh, 
not intentionally, but uh, somehow fumbled its way to releasing yeah. my first single. And, it's and we've had spirited nice. chats about bands and meanings oh, of songs. Yeah. And what does American Pie mean? That took us an hour one evening. and uh, we did An hour and a bit. We didn't yeah. even get halfway through it. Uh, so who are the influences, Ronan? Well, I suppose, like, for me, like, I, I have just such a wide range of influences. I don't really stick to one, but, like, it's everything from the Beatles, Otis Redding, to, like, Paul Nutini, Adele... Cole Plavin, you know, it just, it, it, I, I, I'd be here another two hours, like, saying all of them, but... Uh, Dar Straits, Simon Garfunkel. Oh, absolutely, Simon Garfunkel, yeah, big time, and uh, sure, the Rolling Stones even, yeah. Yeah, you're very well educated musically for a man of your tender tender years because most of your generation, uh, no offence to them, uh, they have different musical tastes. It's, it's a yeah. lot of dance, there's a lot of rap, there's a lot of... Yeah, I'm like a kind of a, an old man in a young body when it comes to music. <laughs> like, I love old stuff. We're going to get the world premiere uh, to play us out uh, towards news at 12 o'clock, but you do have another song. Tell me a little bit about the history of that and maybe we'll get you to play it live. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> uh, so, this song... Uh, I wrote it, I, I did film in college and uh, when we were in there we learned about like the star system in kind of the early days of Hollywood and uh, this song in particular is about, I'm not going to say exactly, but Marilyn Monroe and kind of Judy Garland era of uh, how I suppose the system was detrimental to a few of these girls, young girls, and uh, how it eventually led to their deaths in a way. Like, but it's a but it's a happy happy tune with a dark subject. You know, yeah, okay. it's going to be a rotten weekend now. So yeah, please no, cheer no, us up. No, 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 yeah, it's it's the tune is happy. Yeah. Okay, give it socks. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Take it away. Pick up the guitar, and uh, first time on radio, and showing no nerves whatsoever. <laughs> Ronan O'Driscoll. And a little bit small She thinks she's funny but God, I've heard them all Where's those Gucci, I pray bloody jeans Got the smoochy lips she used behind the scenes But she's got friends in high places She rolls with the queens Satin laces and gold diamond rings Holds her head high and says that she's made it As she's standing there naked For friends in high places Standing there naked For friends in high places Got a buddy who a child He thinks it's funny she grew up to be so wild He remembers the days when they were scrounging for a meal But now she's gone, forgotten him She spins the trundle wheel But she's got friends in high places She rolls with the queens White satin faces and gold diamond rings Holds her head high and says That she's made it As she's standing there naked For friends in high places Standing there naked For friends
advantage of your looks Share you out amongst the crooks Take advantage of your looks Share out amongst the crooks But she's got friends in high places She rolls with the queens Where does that voice come from? The young guy I'm just talking to across from me, I don't know. Shades of lots of stuff in there, Ronan. Tom Waits, John Prine, John Hyatt, maybe. Would it be cruel to compare that to David Gray? That's sure, yeah. A yeah. <coughs> little yeah. bit of Mick Flannery in there. Yeah, Mick Flannery. <coughs> Listen, yeah. the business of the day must always be done on this program, so I need to take a tiny little diversion here and uh, go to line one and to announce our Free Food Friday winners, uh, getting a selection of starters and main courses and all of the... Uh, the whole enchilada from a Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. And uh, thank you to you guys for calling in today. And you are Zucar and you are in Little Island. Hi, guys. Hi, Dennis. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. All the, all the fun of the fair is coming your way. We're going to get them uh, delivered to you and you will have a fantastic lunch altogether from ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. All right? Thank you very much. Thanks, Dennis. All the best. Now then, Ronan, let's get to your plans for the future. Um, so I'm going to take it as it comes for a moment, but uh, definitely on the way is a second single since I got such a good reaction to the first one, and that's kind of the main plan. Okay, just want to say I was lucky enough to hear uh, Ronan in person a few weeks ago. All I can say is, well, what a talent. Well done, Ronan. Like a young Neil Young, well done, lad. What a voice. Love the uh, song, Young Ronan. Have been listening to Cages over and over. Pure magic, says Kay, and there's dozens more coming in. So that should give you a little bit of a big head now. Ah, yeah. Bit of a boost, yeah. Ego boost. Tell me about Cages, because we've got to play out with it and say good morning to everybody. By the way, the show was produced uh, this week, as it always is, uh, by our great team, and that is Seamus Whelan, Kevin Galvin, and Claire O'Connor. Ronan, Cages. Tell us about it. Um, so, my first single, it's a piano ballad, really, in the end of the day. Uh, I don't really like to say exactly what it's about, because people should take what they want. Exactly, like American Pie. Yeah, like American Pie. Every success run in O'Driscoll, first radio play in the world for Cages. Good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. I've been walking with a purpose Every moment since our first kiss I've been loving how your hand fits Into mine like it was made for this And I've been dreaming of that one night You'll come back running into my life I've been walking with a purpose I've been walking with her I've been walking with a purpose I've been walking with her But did we lose ourselves among the shells of greatness yet to come? Can we throw away the victories that made us take the plunge? We've been caught inside the cages of lies, trying to fit into the pages they write. You've been moving through the phases all night. Oh, Stage all my life. Oh my. 
Since then I'm walking with a clenched fist Since then I'm feeling like I don't fit Since then I've loved but never meant it I've held her hand but never felt it And I've been dreaming of that one night You'll come back running into my life Since then I'm walking without purpose Since then I'm walking without Since then I'm walking without purpose Since then I'm walking without Mama say a prayer for me Cause heaven's here between the sheets I'm only here a second then I'm gone, babe Tie me up and torture me Cause I got so much blood to bleed And though it feels so right I know it's wrong But did we lose ourselves among the shells of greatness yet to come? Can we throw away the victories that made us take the plunge? We've been caught inside the cages of lies, trying to fit into the pages they write. You've been moving through the phases all night. Oh, Check it out on Spotify, Cages from Corkbourne Ronan O'Driscoll playing out the Neil Prendival show this morning. Get streaming it. This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.